0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: And of course, uh, on Side and indeed all over the sporting country, but certainly on Side, the death of Teddy McCarthy makes the front of many of the papers. A beautiful, beautiful photograph, colour photograph, head and shoulders of Teddy McCarthy in the front of the Examiner today. Uh, of course, uh, 1965 to 2023, so just shy of his 58th birthday. The headline in the Echoes this morning, Death of a Legend. Tributes paid as the Cork Duel star Teddy Mac dies age 57. There's a lovely supplement actually with the examiner today. uh, Soaring, uh, forever soaring is the headline. And there's picture after picture in many of the papers today, but predominantly the examiner and the echo of the height that this man could jump to. Whether he was going after a Gaelic football in the air or he was going after a slitter. The height. he, He just out-jumped everybody in midfield. GAA heartbroken at the sudden passing of the Cork legend, Teddy McCarthy. And last night, actually, just refreshing my memory for this morning and reading through old articles and what have you, and even again this morning, again, I was reminded all too sadly that we don't actually realize the greatness of people until they're gone when we take a real close look at their careers it could be in any walk of life but in this case uh, teddy mccarthy death uh, of a legend uh, not unlike the kind of headlines we had pretty much at a similar age he was uh, only just shy of his 58th birthday he was 50 to be 58 and in, in july um, same age the christy ring died at so the death announced of the legendary cork hurler in football teddy mccarthy A month short of his 58th birthday is the first paragraph from this morning's Echo. The Red Tops nationally have the story. GAA icon Teddy dead at 57, the only player to win dual All-Irelands in the same year. We'll have more on that story in a few minutes' time. Of course we would, uh, because it would be the right thing to do to pay tribute to such a great man. Uh, In other stories making the papers today, though, um, you know, we talk about the Mercy Hospital. Um, And all too often, uh, because of the amount of patients going through it and issues within the A&E, it comes in for a lot of criticism, certainly on the wards and and through COVID, of course, a lot of difficulties. I get all of that. Bear in mind, you have to also consider the staff um, where they're completely overworked and overstretched. But I'm only mentioning that by way of introduction to a story of a woman lying on a trolley bed at the Mercy Hospital, had her mobile phone stolen from her hand by another woman visiting the hospital at the time. Now, the judge, uh, Olin Keller, described this as a particularly mean crime. The allegation was that it occurred in the A&D unit in a cubicle where the mobile phone was taken from the hand of the woman on a trolley bed. It's an awful thing to do, isn't it? It really and truly is. But there was a woman who's got her own issues in her life before the courts, so Elisa Lenehan from uh, the address was the Cork-Simon community, pleaded guilty to the theft and four other thefts as well. She had 14 previous convictions, so she got a total sentence of eight months. Uh, very, very, very horrible thing to do, uh, you know, to do something like that to somebody in a vulnerable situation like that. And then there's the story of a character who ran across the roofs of several houses to get away from arresting Gardi. They went uh, to arrest him, and when they warned um, that the, uh, if he didn't come quietly and what have you, that the armed response unit would be coming to the scene as well. He just shouted back at them, bring them on. So anyway, the story goes of Shane Morrissey from Townsend Place, extremely difficult to deal with, according to the guards. When told he was going to be arrested uh, on June the 5th at his home, he told the guards to F off. uh, And then he climbed out the window of his house, got up on the roof and ran across the roofs of six or seven neighbouring houses. Now, he, he disputes the amount of houses that he ran across the roofs of. And he disputes the length of time that the um, the chase took but anyway it took 15 members of 15 members of Vanguardishakana it also involved the armed support unit of Vanguardishakana to find him hiding in the overgrown garden of a derelict house after a search that lasted 90 minutes uh, and it's alleged as well that he, he said some horrid things to one particular member of Vanguardia at the time uh, he said um, actually he said this in the courtroom he says you effing smelly fat tramp. So that's an ongoing one from the courts. The papers also talked today of issues involving, um, you know, uh, that when, when COVID came along, of course, an awful lot of things were cancelled, including um, appointments that people were having for various issues in their lives, cancer being one of them. So the examiner this morning is saying one in 12 expected cases were not identified during the pandemic years, so when you work that out in actual cases, each of them individual to to each person, four thousand cancers were not detected because of all of the issues going on with regards to the pandemic cancellations of appointments and screenings and oncology issues like that 4,000 cancers not detected and then you have of course the life and times of when we live and where people don't live and people living on the streets and in tents the star this morning is saying that a boy under the age of 17 was among 20 homeless people who died in Dublin between January and April this year Uh, 20 people one of them a boy of 17 in the period of 4 months on the streets of Dublin it's hard to believe that isn't it I don't have stats for, for Cork, um, but the certain Dublin ones are alarming when you hear... In a four-month period, 20 people died on the streets, one of them 17 years old. And be very aware of the explosion in new scams. Um, a lot of this, of course, the scammers love this because everybody or an awful lot of people are moving away from cash, right? So they got debit cards, they got Revolut cards and credit cards, and you're buying and tapping and everything. So they play into that. But would you believe, according to The Independent this morning, that there's been a 560% jump in bank accounts being taken over and cleaned out by criminals it's absolutely shocking and they break down the um biggest criminal schemes to watch out for our scams to watch out for you might be getting a text telling you about a customs charge for something that you bought on on Amazon and they're hoping that you did buy something on amazon and you'll buy it and you'll give the the details you remember the HSE mandatory covid test um the hsc you know also had to come out and say we are not sending these kind of texts we are not asking for a payment for a covid-19 test but nonetheless people still sent their bank details then there's the eflow toll scam you didn't pay it you went through the you went through the uh, you know the toll or you were scanned on the m50 Um, and then here's the link to pay for it. People are doing that too. Bank card taxi scam is one that's hard to believe, but people do it. Bank customers get a fraudulent email telling them their details have been compromised and that the bank has arranged for a taxi to collect their card from them as a means of cancelling it. I know. It's hard to believe that anybody would fall for it, but they do. And then, of course, you got various rental scams. People, of course, are desperately looking for somewhere to live, and you got all of these online deposits that need to be paid first before you get a viewing. And of course, that is also a scam. So I'm just giving some examples of them. But the figure of a 556 percent jump is very alarming. They don't need to get everyone, you know. I mean, if they, you know, they're full time at this. Like this is a this is a profession for them. This is a this is a career path. If they get one in a hundred and they do that maybe, uh, you know, once or twice a day uh, and also scale it up to whole factory scamming, it's a completely different ballgame. Uh, of course, uh, leaving certificate starts today and the junior cert as well. Streets, are, roads are much quieter now, aren't they? I guess everybody's on their holidays. but 135 students will sit down and begin their leaving and junior cert exams today um, and the papers talk of it in quite detail. English today, I think, certainly for the leaving cert, I believe. And then... Probably should have led with this story. You know driving instructors, I'm not talking about those, I'm not talking about testers now, I'm talking about instructors, those that you hire to teach you how to drive. Mother of God, the amount of complaints against them that make this morning's Red Tops is hard to believe. I will come back to it later, because I'll be spending way too much time on this story. But just to give you a heads up, one instructor said, who's your daddy 15 times uh, to a 28-year-old woman who was getting lessons, uh, telling her that she was drop-dead gorgeous. Another fella saying, asking, was she single? Uh, Who's your daddy? Uh, They say that who's your daddy has a sexual connotation. I get that. Why else would he say it? but I have no idea what it means. Who's your daddy? I mean, what does it mean? But nonetheless, it's one of those things that people make complaints about and rightly so. So a driving instructor told a 28-year-old woman who was getting lessons in his car that she was drop-dead gorgeous, asked her if she was single and 15 times asked her, who's your daddy? Another driving instructor who was in his 60s, told a 22-year-old student that girls who are Men's during going through menstruation on a monthly basis never do well in their driving test because it affects their coordination and they get flustered because of the time of the month. There were 128 complaints made to get uh, learned drivers last year, uh, seven times as many as 2021. What is that telling us? Is it telling us that, unfortunately, the industry is attracting people more in the last couple of years that shouldn't be in it at all? Or is it that men, particularly, older men, it would seem, think that it's appropriate and okay to talk to women like this? Uh, There were other issues as as well involving racist comments. Um, And another one there where uh, a fella made a complaint because he said the instructor was physically beating him, striking him on the thigh and on the back of the head. I mean, I'm only touching uh, the surface of this because there are other complaints, which, as I say, I will come back to. Move the effing car. Like... (laughs) Are you going to move the effing car with the window down? And people laughing because people knew there was a driving lesson going on and they were laughing at them as far as a person trying to take it. Uh, another woman said that she was slapped on the thigh within 10 minutes of being in the car. She says, at first I thought it was an accident but then it happened again and again. Anyway, I will come back to that. But there are other motoring-related stories that make the papers today like the backlog for the NCT. If you didn't know it, can I remind you, there are 375,000 vehicles on the road with an overdue NCT and the Gardaí have said that every single... One of those is technically prosecutable. 375,000 vehicles. And the examiner this morning, this is insane, say that if you were to look for um, the earliest available date, just going through the website, not picking up the phone or anything, but just going through the website, that the earliest available date that you can get an NCT test at Little Island is the 23rd of January, 2024. (laughs) Uh, I mean, like, surely, be the god you can. Like, firstly, it's very frustrating for people, right? Secondly, you have to pay for the damn thing, and thirdly, it's broken, and nobody seems to be able to come up with a plan of fixing it. The tolls are going up, so from a more point of view, it will mean. Do you remember when it was one ninety? Now it's two. Then it went to two euro. Now it will go to two euro and ten cent. Slowly but surely creeping up creeping up creeping up a fresh blow on the way as drivers as tolls and this is all motorways and M50s and all sorts of things like that
2: I, I got an awful land I was um, I was away for uh, the the bank holiday weekend in my camper van and uh, stopped at the toll in Watergrass Hill normally the camper van it's under a certain size so we get, we get charged camper the same van. amount as a
1: car camper van you wouldn't be a car you'd probably be a bus
2: well no we actually qualify as a car with the size of the camper van that we have it's only a small one so right. we qualify as a car normally 2 euros Watergrass Hill it was 3.40 then we went up to Limerick and it was two euros. Back to Limerick, two euros and then back in Watergrass Hill. So the, even amongst the toll bro- booths there are differences and I'd never come across that it's before. Just, uh, so it's we're just getting other... charged almost double the price in Watergrass Hill than any other toll booth in the country. I can't understand it. I'm going to be writing to, to Celtic Toll and asking them why they're charging us double for, oh, into Watergrass Hill than anywhere else.
1: Well, it's one thing for sure. Everything is just going up. You never hear of. There are so many people using the tolls. We are so busy and we're making so much money. We want to get the price down. By ten percent, you never hear that, do you? No,
2: oh God, no, 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 no. no. You never hear the fact that uh, more does more traffic on the road, or you never hear of you know what? We're flying. We're all, flying. With we're all the a money. You know, with all the money we're making, we're going to give you a month off, or we're going to, you yeah. know, we're going to two win, for one deal. Yeah, yeah. or we're going to build another motorway with the money. We oh. might finally use the money to finish the Cork to Limerick motorway. Oh, no, man, I don't chance. get
1: it. All right, I'm going to plow ahead here if you don't mind. Papers also this morning are talking about a tribunal resulting in a man who was sacked for smoking in his van. He was working for Brennan's the bakery. They had to pay out 15 grand compensation to the worker for unfair dismissal for smoking in his own van in the staff car park. Oh, by the way, um, if, for instance, you uh, live your life by best before dates and use by dates, and I don't, I use the smell test and I also use the taste but other people do. See, the younger generation are absolutely, totally infatuated with best before dates and used by. When any comes anywhere near the date, they're dumping it. It's an awful shame, really. But Marks and Spencer now are dropping the used by date on their milk. And they're suggesting that the people should engage in the sniff test first. They will put best before labels, though. But taking off the used by date, because there's fierce waste in food, And I think that's a good move, and I hope others pick up for it. Uh, Does your phone auto-correct? Mine does all of the time, and I'm happy enough with it. Apart from every time I type the word T-H-E, it comes up with T-G-E, and they never correct that. But if you curse when you text, particularly the F-word or the f -er word, up until now, apparently, iPhones have been correcting that to the duck word and ducking. So they're substituting the F version with the D. Uh, apparently, Apple are now saying that they can leave it alone. They're going to stop the auto correction of, their, of people's favourite swear words. I, I think they should keep correcting them. I think we should all get out of the habit of trying to. Uh, curse less or use expletives less but there you go and also um if you are a snorer i would love to come back to snoring in the past few days because as as we rise in obesity and as people get bigger or fatter or put on more weight it can lead to more people snoring because of fat content particularly around the neck but there is a professor who has come out now from the sleep and circulation neuroscience institute saying um if your partner snores delete all of the useless sleep apps that you have and move to the spare room. It's the only solution. So a couple of stories in the papers for you this morning. We'll come back to some of them a little later on in the morning. Our lines are open. You can text 086-8104-106. But to the sad passing of Teddy McCarthy next.
3: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 818
1: 106 Cork's Red FM. And you can text 086-8104-106. Um, it's very, very sad news this morning. Um, Teddy McCarthy was one of our most famous players and the only player to win an All-Ireland Inter-County hurling and football medal in the same season. These are some of the comments from Sarsfields uh, this morning. Um, Teddy was the vice-chairman of the Sarsfield club. The chairman is Keith Mulcahy and he joins me by phone. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I know I know, he has passed, I know he has, he has left us, but for you and the people of Glenmire and Sarsfields, you must be still trying to process it. Is this real? Did this it's, happen? You, you spoke to him at the weekend on a
4: number of occasions. I did Neil, it's devastating, absolutely devastating um, I spoke to him on Monday night I was at a junior hurling match in Kerry Toon and he rang me three or four times during the game to find out the score um, normally I could get ten cone calls from Teddy every day, that's just the way he was he was He just enthralled in, in, in the club loved the club Um we're just we're in, we're in shock. The, you know the the club and Sars and and, and Football Club and the the Greater Glenmore area. We're just in shock. And okay, I've had phone calls from people in St Vincent's Football Club in Dublin, um, clubs in Kilkenny last night, contacting us just to, to pass on our condolences. To, you know, t- look, Teddy was iconic, as everyone knew. Um, we're just in shock. Mm. You know, words can't describe how, how how disappointing, how how devastated we are
1: you know i was i was saying there earlier in the introduction that look seeing the headlines of the papers this morning and going through his achievements we we don't realize the greatness that we have amongst us until until they no. are gone and, and 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 his achievements were just monumental
4: in- incredible and look uh, you know i was saying to someone there last night so i think you know even though teddy played in the era like i'm mid 40s you know people nowadays the young kids of today May not have remembered him but you know, going into any ground or any, you know, going into training sessions, you, you, and the young kids would see te- would see Teddy, which would hear their father saying, "That's the great Teddy McCarthy," you know. So, yeah. I think his his you know his legendary status will never change. Obviously, what he what he did in the past in 1990 will never be replicated again. In my opinion, I know he he speaks a lot about Dennis Welsh should have got a, mes- a medal as well. Um, the sub, he a was the sub, wasn't he? He was a sub, yeah, that's right at the time but Ted, Teddy I was only talking to him about two weeks ago and you know he was saying at the time Dennis should have got a middle as well Dennis should have got a middle as well you know. and, and I know Teddy would love to ha- have, have that to happen as well as Was he before. the kind of guy that always played down his achievements particularly that double Yes yes absolutely not, not someone that wanted to talk about it a lot um, that's just the type of guy he was you know and very unassuming guy quiet in his own way but a character you know at the same time um, very lovable very likeable very chatty, great stories. Um, you know, he would tell you stories about the, the days playing against Kerry and the bomber List and they mm. used to belt the head off each other, but they turned out to be great friends in the end. You know, um, there was a lucky.
1: glory days of Cork hurling and football. It really was. Um, it I was, remember yeah. the, the buzz on Lee side in nineteen ninety, trying to get tickets, and people wanted both tickets because they knew something very special was happening that year. It was like. We were gripped in a football and hurling fever that year.
4: We were, we were, absolutely, absolutely. Look, Teddy, obviously, rose to shame earlier than that in 1986. It was his first football in Ireland. I was very fortunate to grow up in the same terrace as, as him. Um, I was the first house and he was the fifth house, but in 1986, I was only eight. <laughs> and I was able to, when I went into the front room and I watched the all Ireland final with His mother, because Mrs. Mack at the time she wouldn't travel to the matches, she was too nervous go before. away. And I, <laughs> I was able to, I sat on the, on the sofa with her watching the match and she roaring at the television. <laughs> um, so that's that's a memory that will, will never leave me, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. As, as a young child, but yeah. look, he, he <laughs> for for many in Sars in Glenware, and I'm sure around the country, he was a he was our hero, you know, certainly mine.
1: I visited the club on a number of occasions over the years, more recently about two or three years ago for a big dancing event that I was part of there. Um, Whatever you're doing is magical because it it really is a a shining example. You know, the clubhouse, the pitches, the facilities, the training to all of the clubs. I mean, that must have taken huge effort and work of which he would have been central to.
4: Absolutely, it did. It did. Well, look, he he was kind of out of the club for the last couple number of years, in the sense that he wasn't involved in anything. He was he was managing the team back in twenty sixteen, the senior team, and um, he was kind of out of it for the last couple of years, doing other bits and pieces. But I, I took over as chairman last year. Uh, started last year, and we brought him in as vice chairman, um, and he was absolutely unbelievable in the role, you know, people said to me Teddy, Teddy, Teddy might be too quiet for that no, he mightn't be in kind of an administration role, but I can tell you, no Neil, he was absolutely superb, anything that we needed done, uh, and of course, he knew everybody, or he knew someone everywhere, yeah. um, you know you could pick up the phone and say, Teddy, we're stuck with this, do you know any fella in this office, or do you know anyone there, and he'd say, yeah, I know someone there, he'd pick up the phone and he'd ring. Your quoted
1: in the examiner saying, for you personally, he was inspirational he was a rock to me
4: he was. About. He absolutely was. We had a difficult couple of years there. The last two years have been difficult in the club for us. And he um, certainly, for me personally, he, you know, he was he was the driving force behind me. First of all, even going for the job and getting the getting the chairman's job. Clive Murphy was chairman for 15 years. Did a superb job. Yeah. Um, but you know, the time came for a change. Teddy was the driving force. You know, he was the one to look. No, you know, put put your hand up for us. You know, you, you want to want the job. Go and do it. And yeah. Absolutely, on a daily basis he was the one that was pushing to to try and make the club better all the time, you know.
1: Do you think the, I mean, deep down, do you think he had a preference for one over the other? If you were to say, if he could only have done one, which would it have
4: been? I don't think so. I I don't think so. No, even though, look, in later years, probably most recently in the last 10, 15 years, probably leaned more towards hurling in the sense that, you know, he was more involved in the hurling club, but no, still very much uh, a follower of, of Glanmire Football Club went to all, he was at the Cork Football Match on Saturday, uh, went to Torres at the hurling match on on sunday with with thomas so um no no i think i think teddy was 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 both 50-50 hurling at football he was both games
1: yeah and i know i'll probably say this over a number of occasions this morning but this double in 1990 against me either the football and hurling galway and the hurling that could never be replicated again the dis, you know the, the the commitment isn't there the scheduling doesn't work it, it, it's it's just this is his and his
4: alone in one calendar year isn't it it absolutely is. It is, and, uh, and look, uh, I, I don't think it'll ever be um, replicated again. And I suppose, look, we're we're very honoured and very pri- privileged in the club that you know. We, this year we had Kieran Fraggy Murphy as the Cork Minor Manager, Pat Rhino as the as the Senior Hurling Manager, two great club men, and they will even tell you, look, even though the game has changed so much, the the time and the effort and and the work that has to going in to go into even being playing one code. Totally. It's just impossible. Yeah. I don't know how Teddy did it. Well, you have um, all
1: you have work commitments, you have family commitments. Absolutely. You, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. And look, Teddy, Teddy, you know had a young family at the time, and like, it was just an incredible achievement. You know, really incredible achievement. And look, our our heart goes out to to Kane and Niall and Sinead and Una there, their their family. You know, there must be. I, I spoke to Kane last night and, and Dennis's brother. They're, they're absolutely devastated because they were a very very close family. Um well I thought so with all of the family and all of the
1: good people of Glenmire and Sars and Glenmire itself and everybody that knew him it's tragically sad news Absolutely. at such a young age a month short of his 58th it's very sad. Too
4: young too young we were slagging we had coffee there on Friday morning with a group of us Dennis Hurley there and our club president was a Cork selector in 1998 we'd normally have coffee on a, on a Friday morning blowing the club and Teddy we were slagging him over the fifty eight when we were saying Teddy you are nearly at the big six oh now and you know he was saying he didn't want to know about it. Don't what worry did about he that. say?
1: Don't talk about that.
4: Uh, don't talk about that, don't worry about it. We will we we, we we'll, we'll think about that when it comes, you know. But he was just that type of a guy, just a, a real character, you know, and we're we're gonna miss him dearly in the club and I'm sure most Cork people will, anyone that's in, uh, involved in any GA. Um, in Cork and around the country, will you know
1: he'll be sadly missed. Well said, well said. Thanks for taking the call, Keith. Difficult time Thanks for you all. It. Appreciate Thanks. it this morning. Thanks very Keith much. Mulcahy, the chairman of Sarsfields Hurling Club in Glanmire, have a listen to this. I want to talk with uh, Larry Tompkins and Tomas Muller in a couple of seconds, but here's Teddy speaking on TG Cahir's Gael show in 2008. He was uh, talking about his early life in Glanmire. They were profiling the GAA's biggest
5: legends. Have a listen to this. Well, I was only about five or six when the father died, and my mother at the time. I suppose as she and uh, you know, I suppose it took her a couple of years before she went back to work, you know, to try and settle island down and settle down since the out of then um, you know, I suppose money-wise or well-to-do, we had nothing really, and that was we, we didn't mind that, you know, um, we got over it. My almost as only as a crow flies I suppose sitting 150 hours from, from pitch here, but definitely four or five days of the week in the summer holidays, you'll know, be down here um, uh, kicking and bawling. Or, is, is up against the wall whatever you know having a game of um, three goals in or something like that dropping down
6: oh well caught by Teddy McCarty now Teddy moving off here Another chance chance here for um, the scoring Teddy moving through throwing his own Townsend takes a shot and he
7: takes a nice shot I
5: was ability for, for both rolling and football, and the most important thing is that I enjoyed it, and the most important thing is that I played and love playing for the club, you know.
6: Line, oh, a nice just ball dropping in, oh, well caught by Teddy McCarty, and a great shot, oh, great shot, a great shot by Teddy McCarty.
5: Certainly, so, in the first half, there was no such thing as a double on anyway, because as everybody knows, Galway were six or seven points a half time. So, there against Tim
6: Cashman, he's doing everything well so far.
5: He had a few words with us. He said, only two or three of You know, does I tour 3V playing here? He says, No, they expect to want to win in Ireland. He says, A large member, Kevin Hinsey, gripping up the time, and he said, Who's the poor deal He says, I think that was the um, turning point. You know, there was a few of us chuckled, and uh, I think it took the pressure off everybody, and we just went out and enjoyed the game and relaxed. And that's uh, a cracking game, probably. Eddie McCarthy,
6: talking, they're looking for another score. And McCarthy provided. In attack, he's been absolutely
2: brilliant. He's taken up his given. It's a goal! A goal by Johnson! It's called time! Cork are the All Ireland champions. Once again, the first part of a possible double
6: has been achieved by an amazing display of heart
5: there's no doubt about it, you know, whatever anybody says, you know, twice there. The double has been mentioned, of course. I said it in the sights. We were the only team that could do it. Several good individual duels so far. A good catch here by Teddy McCartney. My team just affected. We were playing mead, you know, and we last him twice already. Uh, was more important than the actual double. Into Shea Fahey. Well, but what's a very dark afternoon, really, here at Croke Park. The picture you're seeing off, playing a great game against big lines but we're so determined and so focused and that happens, you know, nine times of the time when you're down with men it looks like the team that are down with men are probably up a player of times Most
2: are all of the chances that come their way
5: There was nothing going to come in the way that uh, stop yeah, us from being in a tight in. finish We ran right away straight into the restaurant you know. straight into the restaurant did not even hang out I felt maybe that the honest and all the media attention would have been put on me to have been, you know, rather than the, and the, you know, the, 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 the 25 players that were, that were, you know, thugged out to give their life a Cop that day.
6: Very happy man, the former T-shirt Jack Lynch. Footballer and hurler, of course. A very
5: pleased and I remember coach. Jack Lynch coming in and you know, the shaking my hands and one of the great experience of my life, really.
6: It's Sam and it's Liam in the one year for Cork.
8: The only man in captivity
5: who has two All-Ireland senior medals in two different sports in the same year. a great sense of occasion, Teddy. Very good, yeah. Um, really, my main um, ambition coming up here was to win, you know. Um, it uh, was a bonus after that. Um, I suppose it's unique for me, Harry, I suppose, uh, to win two medals in one year. Um, it's been 100 years, I think, since it's been one last. And uh, hopefully it'll be another 100 years.
1: Ah, the great Teddy McCarthy. McCarthy won two All-Ireland senior football medals, six Munster medals and an All-Star in his career with the Cork Senior Hurlers he also won two All-Ireland medals three Munster titles, one National Hurling League, he won three All-Ireland Under-21 football medals with Cork between 84 and 86, he was voted Texaco Footballer of the Year in 89 for his club he helped Sars reach their first Cork Senior Hurling Final in 42 years, in 1989 they ultimately lost two Glen Rovers in that game uh, and his likes will never be seen again, two men who played alongside him, one in football and one in Hurling, join me now Larry Tompkins and also Tomás Mulcahy. Uh Gentlemen, good morning to you both. Thanks for taking the call. Um, Larry, 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 what can we say? Um, it's a terrible shock, isn't
9: it? Yeah, there's a, a dark cloud over Cork today. Um, just want to send my deepest sympathy to Oona, Keen, Niall and Sinead. And to his brothers and sisters. Uh, incredible family. Um, brilliant guy. Brilliant friend. Um, just heartbroken. Um, uh, just just the icon of what you have heard there in relation to being the only man ever to achieve what he has achieved. I think in life, I think you look for the exception, and um, Teddy is justified to be the exception. He was an exceptional um, player in both football and hurling, exceptional gifts and talent. Uh, that we all had the pleasure of seeing and myself and Tomás had the pleasure of playing with um, just even after playing and being with him, involved with so long sometimes when they're playing and they're together you probably don't get the nitty gritty of to know a real player to the true length but I suppose in the business I was in and Teddy then was in the same business later on uh, we became very very friendly uh, we, we, we had amazing chat conversations uh, brilliant looking back brilliant looking forward to games and the teams that are going ahead now um, just he was just a, such a a, a a non-assuming guy like um, he would just he was loved by the Carp people uh, we've had many, many brilliant stars here in Cork. You know, like Ray Keane and Sonia Sullivan, who have been exceptional. But I think Teddy, I think, was just a codes man. He was just a people's man, and he never had any hang-ups about himself or what he had achieved. But just the the the, the pleasure to have played for Cork and for his club. His club was always number one, and uh, loved his club, loved his mates. And when he put on that red jersey, it meant the world to him. And just for me personally, it was just a real, real pleasure to have known him and um, have played with him. He was a massive inspiration to me. And uh, I'll just
1: never forget him. That's a beautiful tribute from a man who you yourself were once described as one of the best players to ever play football. Tomás Mulcahy, we'd say the same about him on the hurling pitch. Tomás, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Oh, for God's sake, man. I hear you, you spent time with him at the weekend, I believe, Tomás, did
10: you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did, Neil, yeah. And, um, look, sure. What can we say? Um, we're all shattered. We're devastated. Um, I was in the hurling field last night at my home club at Glen Rovers when, when the call came through to me from his brother, Dennis. And, um, oh, my God, um, I was just shattered, to yeah. be honest with you. you? Yeah, um, a yeah, uh, great friend on the field of play, but a brilliant guy off the field to play as well. And look, some people had their own opinions of Teddy McCarthy. He might have taken them up the wrong way, but well, he was one of the nicest guys, one of the greatest friends. He gave it a shirt off his back. He just loved everything about Cork. He loved everything about Cork G. He loved his club stars. Uh, but most importantly, he just loved his family. He mm-hmm. loved. His ex-wife, Una still had a great relationship. Yeah. All the knees below and passage that he was so uh, tied in with. Um, and then he's obviously three kids, Cian, Niall and Sinead. He, he was just so proud of them. and he'd, he'd talk about them on a, a regular basis when we'd go down, we might have a coffee or have a pint and stuff. And yeah, I collected them on Sunday at 10 to 12 above in autographs in his home and we went to Turles for the $120 final. We had a great day with a great chat and we were lucky enough we, we, we got lovely seats in, 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 as you call them in the, the art cola or the intro with the right seats right and um, we got vouchers for a cup of tea and a sandwich at half time and we went over and he was talking to the president of the GBA and he was talking to the former president Sean Kelly and you know, it was and then the fellas were coming up shaking his hand Teddy McCarthy and they the man that went to two hours in the same year <laughs> And um oh he, my god uh, I say that followed him all his life. What do you think? He followed him all his life, Neil. And like like there was all, the, the odd bit of a dig then as we were walking away, he kind of turned to the and he said, Look, sure anybody could play play the one game and he was pointing at me, right? But <laughs> I say just the holding, right, you know, and he was playing both of them and anybody could play one game and <laughs> And coming down the car and we were talking about the match and we were talking about everything and about the players that played well that day or on Sunday and like the victory for Cork Tree or twenties and four years and what it was going to mean for the future and guys that were going to step up to the grade for the next time. But it, was, it was just incredible.
1: Never lost an interest, never lost an edge, was always staying on top of what was happening and what was developing. But you know that, because that, I remember 1990 as vividly as perhaps anybody else who was following and football that year, but you were both in it, both yourself and, and Larry. And if you look at say, both teams, like the Hurling team, there was obviously Teddy Mack and there was, you know, your, your, your good self. You, you captained that team, Tomás. Jim Cashman, Joe Cunningham and Gold, Kevin Hennessy. Um, you know, if, if you look at the footballers then, Larry, uh, I mean, just, just an incredible array of talent. I only mention a few. Again, Teddy McCarthy, Larry Tompkins. Larry, you captained it. Uh, Dave Barry played uh, Niall yeah. Cahalan played, Conor Cunahan played, John Cairns played. I mean, th- this this was an incredible year. The but do you remember the buzz on Lee side for the double? It was awesome.
9: Yeah, sure. Look, it was, uh, and you you think of that team, uh, Niall. Uh, you know, three of that team has passed now. Uh, John Cairns the Lord of Mersinham, uh died at twenty seven. Uh, Mick McCarthy unfortunately died in a car accident at twenty eight. And uh, you know, all the great Teddy Mack you know. Um, look it it was an incredible time like um you know we were just so lucky like this uh we just came across uh, you know brilliant team brilliant players yeah um,
10: yeah it just clicked
9: and it just clicked and and uh, you know Kerry were a dominant team like in monster and uh you know, no disrespect to Kerry, but like uh, Teddy, that was one county that Teddy just wanted the beast yeah. every day of the week. Like, he and, hated him, Larry. Yeah, <laughs> he, he yeah. Hated and, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah. we had so many... I, I used to be, so, I had to be so careful even in playing staff inside of my business because I had to make sure maybe that I had nearly no Kerry person because he was nearly <laughs> eating if he came in. You know, but um, he, he was just... Uh, I think it came from... Uh, Tomás, I don't know whether he told you the story off and I, I talked to Teddy deep down and I think it was going back to when he was only 19 and he was playing uh, when he was on the Cork uh, first for the football and he was going into Calarney and at that time you were just uh, delivered off in the bus, uh, the bus and you walked through the crowd in Canary in to get to the dressing room and uh, just as the Cork team were coming into the to, to the gates uh, there was an usher of, of guards and security ushering everybody back and they ushered the talk team back to let the Kerry team through like it was Jacko and Toddy and, yeah. and Tim Kennedy and, and I think mm. just, do you know what, from that day onwards, I just think that for, you know, he treated talk as been number one and when you wore that red jersey but to be ushered back and to be just treated like second class uh, did, didn't go well to help with Teddy, and I think from there on, I think uh, you know there was there was there was um, you you know Kerry were always the ammunition there, but um, that
1: you know, was, was the just, target. Yeah, Tomas, what, yeah, what, was, what, what what about from the from the hurling perspective? Boy, could that man jump! Mother of God, no one could jump as high as him.
10: Neil, there's look, yeah, there's some uh, really iconic pictures uh, going on social media, and, and um, one of the greatest ones that I've seen is like 1993 in the league final against Wexford um, um, and he's soaring so high into the air, I think his boot is at the shoulder of one of the Wexford players and he's off the ground as well and Teddy is above him catching the ball in the air and it's 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 just an incredible picture and look, we always asked him the question every year he went, Teddy, can you tell us how did you get off the ground yeah. so high? Yeah. And he was always on about the timing, the timing, the timing. I just watched the ball when it was being kicked out. I just watched the ball when it was being pucked out. And I just went a couple of yards back. And then I knew the timing when I needed to go. And when I needed to see the ball was just coming, the 10 yards in front of me, I would go. And like, it was, he was, his name in, in sporting history is, is, is for that, the fetching of the ball off the year. Uh, it was just incredible The iconic, perfect midfielder The iconic, the iconic side of it and he, I, I just like, the man didn't realise what he had achieved he didn't realise his stature in Cork and like Larry mentioned some like Cork, you know it like yourself in terms of sporting heroes and from Ron Nogar to Roy Keen to Sonia O'Sullivan to Rob and There's so many more that you can mention. Yeah, like,
1: to both from, of you. To both of you yeah, as well. Yeah, well, Don't from, play down your own it, achievements. I, but when you talk of it, like Christy Ring did it, Jimmy Barry Murphy did it, Ray Cummins did it, but not in
10: the same year. No, no. And, like, he didn't realise what he what he had achieved and on, on that side of it. And, like, never got to him, never got to his head. So so proud of playing for Cork. He loved his club stars. He just, any time, and wait, look, he was stubborn at times. Yeah, he, yeah. he was cranky at times. Yeah, we we all had are. arguments. Larry had arguments. So Jesus, we used to eat the head off each other. He'd walk away, but he'd bring you back the following morning. Sorry go and <laughs> everything okay, and um, he, he was just, he was so passionate about the game, and we loved him to bits, and like, mm. he is... He's going to be sadly missed.
1: is. Sadly, sadly missed. It's Sadly, sadly, at mm. such a young age with so much to offer. Listen, Tomás, thank you so much for taking the call and to your good self as well, Larry. Um, lovely stories this morning in tribute to the great man, Teddy McCarthy. Thank you both so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All thank you. the best. Tomás Mulcahy and uh, Larry Tompkins. Uh, it's an incredible achievement, actually, to do what he did in his career. Just the amount of medals and championships and all Irelands and what have you. I did. I did mention that Christy Ring did it. Of course, he did, and Jimmy Barry Murphy did it, and Ray Cummins did it. Fifteen players actually uh, won both, but only one in the same year, and that was the great Teddy McCarthy. It's interesting that Tomas Mulder mentioned. You know that. You know Teddy said, "I would." This is not hurling. I would keep my eye on the ball. You probably learned something of that from Christy Ring, who said never, ever take your eye off the ball even when it's in the ref's pocket. Very, very sad. Your thoughts are welcome if you've anything kind to say. Text 0868 and we'll pick it up after 10. Talk to
3: Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106 Cork's Red FM. Text
1: 0868 104 106 Thank you for the text who says, uh, wouldn't it be nice tribute to play the Teddy Mac song in his memory. Love the show. Well, you're spot on there because Miles Gaffney will play us out this morning with his song, his tribute to Teddy McCarthy with the song Teddy Boy, that's a little later on uh, this morning. Teddy Boy back after 10.
0: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now,
3: the
1: Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Yes, indeed, by text. Uh, Could uh, could the GAA not name one of the stands in Porky Greve after Teddy Mac? There were talks that they were going to call it after Frank Murphy, says Frick. Somebody else suggests also, while you're talking about the late great Teddy McCarthy, also remember Teddy's exploits as a mon boy. He played in three hearty cup finals and one replay between 1981 and 1983, winning one in 81 at only 15 years of age. And that's from a former school teammate and friend. non signed, so I don't know who you are, but thank you for that. A good pal of mine, Al Smitty, actually, who was the boss at Beamish and Crawford back in the day, uh, says, such terribly sad news to hear the sudden passing of Teddy McCarthy. A great friend from our school days, a great neighbour and a great colleague at Beamish and Crawford, not to mention his football and hurling skills in the 1990 accolade. May he rest in peace, deepest sympathies to his family. Beautifully said, Alf, and, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, in his earlier days, Teddy McCarthy worked in Beamish and Crawford and worked his way up through the ranks. Ultimately went on to become a publican himself. Um... I also see that Ronan O'Gara has been paying his respects monster legend paid his respects to Teddy McCarthy on Twitter he said he inspired all young fellas from Cork no matter what sport they played Um, Michal Martin who is a great lover of hurling and football says he's deeply saddened at the passing of Teddy McCarthy particularly with regards to the unique achievements in 1990 it will forever live in our memories he thrilled us all with his soaring leaps into the sky Um, isn't it very and our thoughts again can I know that the lad said it earlier this morning but sympathies with his wife, Una, children, Kean, Niall and Sinead. But if you, if you were old enough to remember 1990, it was an incredible year. The buzz on Leaside was like off the charts and the scramble for tickets for the hurling and the football finals. Because a lot of people knew something special was potentially going to happen that year. Um, and a lot of people wanted both. They wanted the hurling and they wanted the football and of course, there was never enough to go around, but the amount of talk and buzz and banter and excitement uh, throughout the hurling and football season in 1990 and then the homecomings, who'd forget that? It was just an incredible, incredible year. Uh, if you're old enough to remember it, you'll share that uh, thought, I'm sure. Uh, and everybody was on a high. It was the same year, of course, as, as uh, uh, Italia 90. And so we had a great year in, t- in total back in 1990 itself. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 and we'll pick it up after the break.
3: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM.
1: And text 0868-104-106. It's a testing time for 135,000 students this morning and a fair few thousand of them are on Lee side because they sat down this morning to start their Leaving Cert and Junior Cert exams. I believe it's English today and it'll roll out over the next week to 10 days or what have you. Um, interestingly, um, I actually, you know what, I actually believe that um, that students and young people don't need people of older generations um, lecturing them or pontificating to them. It probably even causes them grief. Uh, but having said that, if I could address this uh, to the parents who are listening, because my own experience actually of, you know, but my own son and, and my daughter is this feeling of, of helplessness um, when they were going into their first big exams because it's one of those first big tests, I think. Well, there are many tests as a parent, but one of those tests where you actually have no control over the situation. You can't fix it. You can't jump in and help. You can't do the exam. You you feel kind of helpless. And and that's a terrible feeling of, of anxiety for a parent realizing, you know, This is an example of the big bad world, tests like this, that could dictate the rest of your life. More so now than ever, we can look at these things through rose-tinted glasses to back in the day, say for instance, when I sat the inter-sertor, the junior-sertor, when Paul Byrne didn't, uh, or when Pat Phelan did his exams. But uh, both gentlemen, actually, because in both their cases, school wasn't for them. But they thrived because they found their passion and followed it. Paul Byrne, Southern correspondent of Virgin Media News, and Pat Fieland, the multimillionaire businessman. Morning to you both, Paul and Pat. Thanks for taking the call.
11: I think Morning. Morning. How are you? are Paul Byrne multimillionaire, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul Byrne, Greenmount National School. I think we were classmates. We were indeed. You still owe me tenpence. <laughs> I bought your package <laughs> for of grace. Shop. Shop. Yeah, he, start, he
1: started young then, Paul Byrne, did he? His quest for making money, Pat Phelan. <laughs> Paul, pick up, pick up on that though. That they were different times, say for instance. You never did your inter, nor your leaving. Um, but you probably wouldn't get away with that now.
11: No, I don't think so. I was very lucky in a way, Neil. Two things. First of all, I was Honestly, I just had no idea what was going on around me in school. It got worse as the years went by. Third class, fourth class, fifth class, and then I went into first year. And Jesus, it was like um, going, you know, in, in, into into hell once I went into secondary. It was just going over my head, morning, noon and night. Every it subject.
1: Was, did you have no passion for anything? Was it not
11: history, you know I not enjoyed? English? I, I, no, I enjoyed commerce to be quite honest with you business uh, studies no I couldn't spell business studies but I enjoyed uh, what I was learning in that and I think that came because we were involved my late father we, were, we had a few different businesses and I was always involved in the businesses from from a very young age growing up so I, I had a passion for business and I had a passion for entertainment broadcasting or media Because my dad was in both business and entertainment so that it's in it's in the blood and so I, I was interested in commerce in school Anything else, I hadn't a clue. I remember our first French essay in in first year when the teacher came back in and marked them and he said, lads, you'll see there on the copies you have VG, that means very good at the time. It was also a supermarket chain. And you, <laughs> he said, uh, you have G for good or B for bad and NA for not acceptable. And I had DNA. <laughs> and this is true. And I said, sir, what's DNA? He said, definitely not acceptable. Uh, right. So... I mean, I just... I was wasting my time in there. I just didn't want to be there. I was in pain every morning going to school with sickness, the pains of my head, the pains of my stomach. I was just battling so hard that I just didn't want to be there. Years... It, it took a long, long time for my parents to allow me leave school. They knew that I just couldn't cope anymore, and all I wanted to do was work, get out there and do something. I just just couldn't cope with the, the, the anxiety and looking back in it Neil I've met so many people in the last couple of years who have been diagnosed with ADHD or dyslexia late in life maybe I had something like that and um, there weren't diagnoses, uh, diagnoses back then so you know you, you were described oh, you're thick just get out of here people te- teachers you say what the hell are you doing here and I'd say
1: say that to my parents I'd say, Not to them every and time. that made matters worse than when you were hearing that
11: yeah, you, you, yeah, and there was one particular teacher then in first year. I tell you honestly, I was only thinking of it this morning. He was coming every morning, stinking of drink, stinking of fags. He'd grab you by the air, pull you up and down around the classroom. Yeah. And this was allowed to happen at the time. Yeah. And, like, he'd push you, he'd push you. You know, he was doing this to everybody. And, like, this was the shite that was
1: going on. So did like, you have a we sick, sinking feeling of a morning leaving home?
11: Neil... It, genuinely and I, show, I probably shouldn't say that I used to throw myself down the stairs and try to close the door on my fingers so I'd hurt myself so they wouldn't be able to go to school
1: my god
11: I'd um, I'd go into school and um, I'd be back in home I'd go in do the roll call and then I'd say sorry I feel sick I have to go home I just couldn't cope I had to get out of there um, uh, you know it was just was for me now as I said I was very lucky I was able to fall into the family business and things like that if my son said it to me today no he, to be honest he has no idea and I left school at 14 because I wouldn't tell him that because he'd say oh look if you did it why can't I I wouldn't at times were different and I was lucky I had a pillow to fall on he wouldn't have the same
6: um um
1: well the, he, he certainly like he, he well well he'll need entry level now as a degree pick up on that Pat feeling, and if you're lucky a master's to set you up on a proper career path back in the day would have been an intercert, and then of course the leaving cert would have got you something fairly decent. How was it for you, Pat? Because you went on to incredible success with Trustev, with Sisu, and now with the Limbo Revolution. But what was it like school?
8: I think I I I, I was actually thinking about it this morning when you asked me to come on, and you know, Greenmount National School for Primary. Don't remember much about it, but I do remember they must have having an incredible media studies um, class because. You know, it bought Paul out, it bought Trevor Walsh out, it bought Ken Tobin out, which is pretty unbelievable. So, you know, but like, it wasn't for me. I was fine and bright, you know. I remember going into Dare Park and doing an entrance exam, as you had to do then, got into the best class. You know, they, they insisted we do Latin, probably in the hope that one of us would have been a Christian brother. We're surrounded by brilliant people, like... I, I met a friend I went to school with that I hadn't seen for whatever forty years, in in Cork Airport a few weeks ago, and I was I was thinking back, you know, the late Andy Cray was incredibly good to me, uh, John Mulcahy, the mastermind, Mick Scann from Crosshaven, you know, like I had brilliant teachers. I was well, why didn't you smart. thrive then?
1: What was what was not for want of a better term wrong?
8: I, th- I think I was always nervous. I had no belief in myself. You know, I, I, I think it was kind of a thing where, you know, I always felt, you know, and this is probably outside of school, I, I always felt like I didn't belong. And I thought school wasn't for me. I wanted to get out into the big, bad world. Even then I was interested in technology, building radios and CB radios, etc. And I just decided it wasn't for me. I'd been working in the English market since I was 12, kind of as a butcher boy with Willie Beechiner.
1: Yeah.
8: And uh, I thought this is the way I'm going to make money. And, you know, I, 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 I remember the day of the Intersearch results, working in the English market, hopping on my bike, cycling up to Deer Park, getting my results and cycling back to work.
1: So, in in your head, you you thought this was your career path, working in a butcher's. No disrespect, there is nothing wrong with it. But this, you you had set up your stall to say, okay, this is going to be me. This is my
7: I,
8: yeah.
1: Or or I, I, are you were you I, daydreaming of bigger things?
8: I wasn't really. It was like you know, it wasn't Angela's ashes at all, like great parents, and you know, you, you were kind of thinking, listen, it's the early eighties. I have a job. I'm very lucky to have a job. And that's probably, you know, that was probably everyone's goal at the time to get yeah. a job,
1: yeah, or leave the country,
8: or leave the country, obviously, and did both later. But you know, it was really, can I get a job? You know, and you know, having two sons now, both uh, one with one with a degree, one with multiple degrees, and looking at that, you know, if one of them came to me today like Paul, and said, you know, I want to leave school at fifteen or whatever you know, I'd lose in my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that because you're a parent or because you realise the times are very different now?
8: I realise the times are very different. I mean, you know, a degree is no the leaving cert. The degree is an absolute kind of a minimum for any sort of entry point in reality yeah. unless you want to go down the apprentice route. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You know,
1: I can't imagine that you're the kind of guy, Pat feeling that would hire somebody on the basis of their academic qualifications, though.
8: Absolutely not. I mean, we we and we all the companies have people with, you know, PhDs and science, etc. But to me, it's more about what sort of... I mean, I remember years ago, my dad gave me the greatest tip, and it stood to me all my life. If you're hiring someone, sit at the back of the room, watch how they walk towards you, and the speed they walk towards you is the speed they're going to be working
1: at. Massey said that,
8: is it? Yeah, and it stands to me forever... Uh, it's a really important one for me, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge believer in people who've completed, uh, you know, multiple degrees, etc. I, I think it's more about the person and their drive.
1: Pat, uh, Paul, with, with regards to no, not sitting the intern, not sitting the leaving cert, leaving at, at what age? You must have been about fifteen, were you?
11: <laughs> I lost you there. What not sitting the exams, Neil? Yeah.
1: I lost you? When you left, how how old were you? Uh, i was i think it was at uh, 14, fourteen years fourteen uh-huh. years of age okay yeah okay yeah. and you you, you 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 described you described it as as you described your life as you bluffed your way through life. what do you mean by that
11: i have neil to be honest with you um look i to this day I would have difficulties with reading and writing um but I have taught myself how to to overcome these situations um but i i, I just I've learned an awful lot from looking at people as well. And I got great advice from my dad growing up. I learned an awful lot from him. He was very successful in what he did. And, you know, he was my mentor, just like Mossy was uh, Pat's uh, mentor. And, you know, we we learned from the old school, as it were. Um, But times are different now. I mean, I would no way would encourage anything like what I did unless you had a, a very comfortable base to fall on. Yeah. But um, I, I, I've been lucky, and I, just, I suppose the, the passion I have for my work, that I've been interested in it all the time, and I'm learning as I go along.
1: But how did you um, get to that? If you say you bluffed, was it, was it just about knocking on doors or what?
11: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember going down to French Church Street, CCLR. It was the pirate station. You worked there yourself years yeah, ago. Yeah. And um, I just said, uh, hello, I'd like to work on radio. Because I had this three in one at home and I used to be listening to the DJs, and I said, Geez, I wouldn't mind giving that a bash. I don't know why, but well, you know, I just, um, and I went in and this guy said, Right, submit this demo tape, and I was on air the next Saturday. I did a 15 minute slot every Saturday, and within six months, I got a massive break. It was extended to 20 minutes. But um, <laughs> so it just took off from there, you know, half hour there, and then I would actually come in, say, Monday and Tuesday nights while I was in school instead of doing my homework. I was going down to French Church Street up up a, a radio programme and going back into school the next morning Been asked a question and I wouldn't know the answer and the teacher would say, but you'd know the number one in the chart. Yeah. And so possibly I would, you know. Yeah. But um, I was very lucky, Neil. I just, I learned an awful lot going along. I listened, I asked questions, I picked up bits and pieces. Um, as I said, I, I, I still struggle with reading and writing, but I have developed my own style um, people have often watched me writing notes and they said is that short and I, I pretend oh yeah it is it's just <laughs> my writing I can't even read my own writing at yeah, but, yeah,
1: uh, yeah.
11: I've just been lucky you know what I mean but um, it's just yeah, and just,
1: uh, as I said, I have a gold medal in bluffing. So, Pat, um, you know, we look at the exam stress and the pressure that they're under and everything built into two weeks, right? And, and and five years of education system and then leaving cert exam. And then we have the added worry of going to college and picking a course. And a lot of the time, students pick courses that they really don't know anything about and won't follow as a career path. Is the system flawed?
12: I,
8: I think so. You know, you're almost deciding your your passion and your route from second year, which is, you know, really early in an adolescence life cycle to make a decision like that, you know, my suggestion is, you know, you definitely you definitely do need college. And I would think, you know, like me, you know, it was all with technology. And I think if you can genuinely, and it sounds a bit, Christ, you know, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: And how do you find that? I think it's find a passion,
8: find something that's super interesting to you, really on, you know, like Paul, I, I remember Paul working with me in the today's season, you know, you could, you, you could see the love for it. And that shines true. You know, that's better than any piece of paper. You can find something you absolutely love. It will stand here for the rest of your but life. But you know,
1: on your route or your path to where you're at now and find yourself at, would, you'd need to be a, a risk taker, wouldn't you? And be able to overcome fear. Say, for instance, now, clearly not everybody will get to the levels that you reach where you're dealing with, you know, billion euro industries. But do you have to have risk and the ability to be able to say, OK, I could win or lose everything? But everything is a risk. You
8: know, there was days where you know and I spoke to you about this before if trust of hadn't worked my house was gone
3: yeah
8: you know and I, I know is everybody I'm a willing bit to take that risk though you know but I think that's the acceleration piece you can either decide that you want to be slow and stable or you can decide you want to be a champion that's kind of probably the core of everything that you do yeah yeah, and in case in and in your case, of course, and surrounding G- yourself with the best of people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. There's tons mm-hmm. of us out there, all willing to help. You know, I'm sure if someone wanted to be a DJ today and wanted to get on radio, there's people like Paul, there's people like Trevor, there's people like Ken, there's people like you. You know, I I I think I think people, younger people, are a little bit scared about asking for help. And you know, if someone asks me for help, for help at any stage, I'll, I'll bend over backwards.
1: Are know? they a little bit afraid? Afraid also to say, well, actually, this is what I would love to do, and unfortunately, follow the tribe into law or commerce or medicine or, or things like that.
8: I think they are, without a, without a doubt. But I think if you can find something that's a passion, I just think it it changes the game.
1: Yeah. Um. You, your your own path as well Paul brought you all the way to where you're at now but were there risks along the way that you had to take particularly say when children came along or maybe you had achieved much of what you wished to achieve before all of that you know Pat talks about risk and putting your house on the line
11: um, Yeah no my, my children came late in life but um, you know I was, I was after landing a job in what was then TV3 look I mean I worked with Radio South and all the stations and I got a job then in TV3, which was 25 years ago, actually, this September. It's uh, no Virgin Media. Um, but I, I was very lucky to get in there. Um, you know, it was just the right time, in the right place again. And um, passion is something that will help you to get on. And also, Pat mentioned something there. Surround yourself by positive-thinking people, because if you're with someone who's half um full uh, approach, you might as well forget it. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with negative people is just soul-destroying. Yeah. Surround yourself with make- positive-thinking people, upbeat people, people who are putting that step forward all the time. But how,
1: how are young history. people going to do that now when they're surrounded by the toxicity of social media and everything that they see?
11: Yeah, it's absolutely poisonous. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but overall, I think social media is poisonous. Um, poisonous. It's, uh, it's frightening what people are watching. Um, but you know, I think if there's anything upstairs in someone's head at a, a certain age they'll they'll throw it aside, they'll put it one side and um put their head down, get on with it and um hopefully make a go of life. But I, I think honestly if you're interested in something, um ask somebody who's in that business what is it like? Any chance they could come out for a day with you. I remember one going into a the Chinese takeaway there in College, and a young girl behind the said, are you such a person? Yeah, I love your job. And I loved her enthusiasm and she said, would there be any possibility I could shadow you someday? And I said, yeah, no, no problem coming along." And now she's working in the
1: media. She was passionate. So I obviously... There's an are, ex- that's a perfect example of what you're talking about.
11: Yeah, you know, she was there she was just meeting people at the counter and she just, you know, was... Again, we came across each other and, uh, you know, it, I've come across other people who went into situations on work experience that i've often asked them over the year what part of you know i was when i was working in radio i'd meet somebody who might be in there and work experience i said are you interested in news or programming or what part of radio oh, I'm not interested in any of this i'm just here because i have to get a job for the yeah. summer and my dad yeah. knows the yeah. station manager and yeah. i thought, oh, jesus christ it's, yeah. it's that person it's wrong to have this person here yeah so you must be interested in something get into something that you're passionate about and you know i think honestly if you're committed Hopefully you'll get there. Yeah, it's a hard slog. It's a hard slog. Neil, you know, like we all battled hard to to get where we are, but uh, perseverance pays off, and and that passion. But you must be a positive thinker as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, well, well, one word that you used finally over and over is luck. You think luck plays a big part of it? Do you also believe that luck part. plays a big part in things, Pat? I do. I do. But I
8: think I think ambition, be willing to speak up. You know, I I was just thinking as you were talking there. Many, many moons ago in trust, we took on four young kids for the summer. And, uh, you know, my son was one of them. There were three others. They were on uh, whatever the fourth year break is called. And all of them in tech today, all four of them. So I think, like, there's plenty of opportunity out there, but I think... I I, I think the harder I try, the luckier I get. You know, that's kind of overused, but it's the
1: truth. Well, can I just ask you finally about young people and their confidence, right? Um, Particularly with regards to social media and all that brings with it, where they feel they need to fit in and they, you know, we we, we are slower now than ever to have opinions or tell how we really feel. Um, Surely, be to God, that must lead them to be very kind of, sort of anxious or, or stressed about life and the future because they see everything in this fake world of online. What are your thoughts on that, finally?
8: I think it is. But if you look at the people who shone, they were people who really concentrated on their own roofs. You look at Musk, you look at the two Google guys, you know, they really picked a goal and went for it. They weren't really, in, and they still aren't interested in what people think of them. So you're you saying don't follow I, the tribe then? Definitely don't follow the tribe. Find your own tribe. Create it if you
1: have to. Great words. Great words. Thank you both, gentlemen. Do appreciate it on this day. The start of the Leaving Sir Paul Burns, Southern correspondent, Virgin Media News, and Pat Phelan of of Sisu and the Limbo Revolution. Text 0868 104 106. You can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Back after the
3: break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gorg's Red FM.
1: Staying with exams, primarily the uh, leaving certificate, of course, because that's where you jump from secondary into either a career or indeed college. But many people probably have seen that screen grab that does the rounds every year. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a powerful one. It picks up on what, say, Paul and Pat were talking about. It goes along the lines of, remember that many students will be sitting the exams. Amongst them, there's an artist who doesn't need maths. there's an entrepreneur who doesn't care about history. There's a musician whose chemistry mark won't matter. There's an athlete whose physical fitness is more important than physics. Um, You know, and uh, if you get top marks or if your child gets top marks, that's great. But if he or she doesn't, please don't take away their self-confidence and dignity from them. Talking about confidence and jumpstart your confidence. I'm joined by uh, Eileen Keane. Eileen, good morning. Hi, good morning Neil, how are you? It's good, it's, it's, it's been a while Incidentally, I said earlier on I don't know whether you agree with this or not because our conversation should be primarily directed towards parents because students and young people don't need older people lecturing them pontificating them if anything, it causes them grief, right?
3: Yeah,
12: I think at the moment especially now, look, at the moment the, g- the kids have gone in this morning, God love them all um, but what they've done, they've done what they haven't done yet Why do you, know, do you say God love
1: them it. all? Do you think that it's cruel?
12: I think it's horrific. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that one. It's archaic. It's wrong. It, there's so much going on in these kids' worlds. I'm like, okay, look, some kids are suited to this kind of learning. They're suited to these kind of exams, and I'm delighted for them. But the majority of kids that I work with, and I work with a lot of them, the stress, the pressure, the, they—they're smart kids, Neil. They know a lot of what they're learning. It's yeah. absolute rubbish. Yeah. So I mean, to be fair to them, a lot of what I stood in front of the school one day and. The vice principal stood in front of the group before I came in and she said, was, I was PYs, and she said, No, lads, you've spent three years learning off and regurgitating, this is the year for something different. And I actually nearly caught my breath. And I said, this is what we're pushing to our kids. If kids can learn off and regurgitate, happy days. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of kids can't. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids struggle and there's a lot of kids know what they're trying to learn off is absolutely useless from going forward. Don't get me wrong, I'm not against education, but how about we educate our kids how to live in the world they live in? Do we not need to update the system from the last 30, 40 years? Because we haven't. Not in anything real.
1: So you're saying that there could well be students who know it all, have done it all, have slogged away and are sitting maybe this morning with the brain freeze and can't remember any of 100%, 100%.
12: it? A hundred percent. And a lot of those kids who are high achievers and who are really going for the top marks can you just imagine the pressure that they're feeling that they have two and a half, three hours of an exam to prove that the work they've done for the last five years is valuable enough to our system to allow them to move forward? It's
1: awful as a parent knowing that, isn't it? Particularly Perfect. because you and I went through that. Many people listening had a son or daughter or numerous who sat the exams. And as a parent, there is nothing you can do to help. Or is there? So
12: look, I have... I have well, of course, parents can do to help. They can't help with the ridiculousness of the system. And I have no problem with the kids sitting in front of me, you know, struggling with learning what they're supposed to be learning, saying, look, there's no question. The system is horrific. What you're learning, a lot of it is rubbish. But unfortunately, that system doesn't look to be changing anytime soon. So you've just got to look at it as the first step of the ladder. Get your head down, do what you have to do so you have choices to do the thing you want to do when you get out of this crap. Yeah.
1: Should, should a parent ask a, a son or a daughter when they come home after a day, how was the exam? How do you think you got on?
12: Well, look, you're going to have to ask that because there'd be something unnatural in us if we didn't. I, my daughter's sitting in the leading search as well this year. But I think, you know, if you see they're upset or whatever, just ask them, do you want to chat about it or, I'll give you bit, or will I give you a bit of space? Let them off a little bit because they're struggling themselves. They're already probably after dealing with their peer groups or already maybe feeling so upset because some others did well and they didn't. Or Or someone
1: said it was easy and they had a nightmare.
12: look, it's horrendous. And what I always say to my own kids and to anyone I'm working with is, get out of there once the exam is done. Don't be sitting around for this aftermath of chat that can actually really pull you down, confuse you. Because people could be saying, oh, this is the answer, this is the answer, and they could be all wrong. You know, it's like, do what you have to do, get out of it, and if they have a bad exam, and if things don't go right, just try and gently help them to understand, look, Let it go. It's done. There's nothing you can do about it. Just try and move forward now. But give them, you know, get them take a break. Do something they enjoy. Clear their head a little bit. There's no one can sit down and study day and night. Mm. And that's the most ridiculous thing that seems to be. There's a lot of that going on. I mean, kids have to have a balance. They have to be able to, and meeting their friends and chatting at, you know, a later date or their good friends is different now. Okay. Um, And getting out for a run, doing a bit of, you know, whatever it is, whether it's playing the guitar, whatever it is what they like to do, try and encourage them to take those breaks during the days over these next two weeks and look after their mind. Because no matter what they have learned, no matter what they think they have kept and retained in their head, if their mind is in a tizzy and if they're really anxious and if they're very panicked, then it's really difficult for these kids to actually do their best.
1: Much more so than ever now, because wouldn't these kids be pretty much the the leaving certificate class that are sitting that came out the back of COVID, right? Wasn't
12: it? Yeah, but none of these kids have sat a state exam before. To be fair to them, um, the point system is horrific. I mean, I'm sure it was very refreshing to listen to those lads there that you have done before me. To be fair, it is. Yes, really but you wouldn't I mean, get away, away with you wouldn't today. get away
1: with those stories now. It's nice to look and see how brilliantly they did because academically. Both of them are very bright, intelligent people, but academically, we're not interested. Now, though,
12: yeah, I think, you wouldn't we get a kick in a stampede. Don't we do have to understand, though, that intelligence isn't all about academics? You know, you can have the brightest academic... Yeah, but try and tell that you know. to
1: somebody t- who's having their, you know, job application reviewed in a HR department where they skim down your qualifications every time and you go on the left for no and the right for yes and that happens automatically with what?
12: It's College because not like education. Because none of us saying it's right. It's not right so all we can do is try and support the kids who are trying to get through this. I mean, I do think we should be up in arms with the Department of Health and Education as to why they haven't come up with something that makes more sense and that can support our kids. You talked about social media there, confidence, self-esteem, self-belief, everything else that goes with it that is being annihilated with a lot of kids. Why aren't we actually teaching them how to live in that world?
1: Yeah, I did read something early in the week from an expert like your good self who said, it's probably too late now, but coming up to exams way before, I'd imagine, delete all your social media apps.
12: And, you know, in an ideal world maybe, but we have to face it, uh, Neil. These kids are completely addicted. I mean, most of us are too. You know, and I think a lot of kids who are trying hard, to be fair, the one thing I would say is anytime I work in an exam classroom and I would go in, preferably, before Christmas of that year and really, really push them to just switch off the notifications on their phone while they're studying because the level of regret that you will see in... 6 year students a month before their exams two months before their exams distracted and distraught because they know if they had their notifications off they could have done so much better, ah, so much
1: better. Yeah, I know and you see that report see, earlier in the week that said that um, the amount of children under the age of 15 God knows what the figure is for 16 and 17 year olds that are now being pre- prescribed tranquilizers has hit 15 yeah, thousand. I'm sorry
12: now Neil I nearly threw the phone when I heard that because to be honest Okay, come out with all these facts, but what in God's name are we doing about it? I go into a classroom and I've worked with thousands of kids with that age group. There is nothing within the system to educate our children on how to look after their mental health because they're being annihilated on social media. Why has that not happened? Are there children
1: children in, in secondary schools who are being prescribed, do you know, Prozac or Xanax?
12: There's 100% of the kids being prescribed um, in secondary school. And look, at work, some, I'm never going to say kids don't ever need it because sometimes they do, and it can help them get out of a hole just to push them in the right direction. But I'd be a firm believer, well, what have we tried first? You know, I mean, if I ask a kid what our teenager now, I'm really talking about, what, what have you done in the last week to support you? Very often I'll get blank. And then we go on and say, what do you enjoy? What kind of gives you joy? What makes you give you energy? What makes you feel happy? Why aren't you doing it? And then they might say, they have no time. And I said, well, seriously, let me look at your screen time. You can't take an hour out of that. And these are the lessons I think they need to learn. Like all we've ever spoken about within the school system mostly would be bullying and whatever. No, I'm not taking from that. I know it's horrendous. But, you know, it's been around forever and it will probably be around forever. But what I am talking about is the isolation, the loneliness, the annihilation of confidence, the annihilation of mm. self-belief. These kids are not getting the tools to help them how to live in the world they're in. Mm. So for the kids who haven't yet come into their leaving first, you know, we have, we have to help to support them how to live in the world they're in. Because if I say turn off your phone, loads of kids now love to listen to music studying. I don't get it, but they do. A lot of my kids did. It didn't, all, you know, it didn't alter mm. their results in any way. But what the problem is, and then there's Google Docs on the phone that's coming from school. So it's very difficult for a parent to take a phone off. But if, I know there's apps now, I think, that doesn't allow you to go on to your, um, you know, your WhatsApp and your Snapchat and all these things. So that's worth looking into. It's to have, have the to discipline to be able
1: to turn them off or to silence and they them.
12: They have to want to, but yeah. they have to understand why. And if these conversations were coming up in schools, like when I were on a workshop, the conversation around this is so educational to everybody else in the classroom because a lot of people don't think, oh, she's the same as me or he's the same as me. Maybe I'll try it. But
1: tell it me, they really work for her. But are these conversations, that's all very well to say they should be happening in school. Let's address the parents' role here now because parents are listening right now who have a son or a daughter or maybe more than two, whatever, sitting at junior or leaving cert. Are these conversations that be, should be had at home?
12: Well, in an ideal world, yes.
1: Or will it cause rows? Should.
12: Well, I'm sorry, we'll have to get over that. We're all going to have rows. I mean, every time you say no to your child, you're going to have a row. But isn't that not our job, to mm. just set those boundaries? Mm. I mean, I would always be a strong believer of give kids social media whenever you want, as in realistically now, maybe sixth class, first year, whatever. But with that comes boundaries. And that's the most important part. I'd be much more inclined to say to a child, I trust you. You know, we have a good relationship. I know if there's problems you're going to tell me. So I'm going to trust you by giving you the phone. But with that comes and then the
1: boundaries come in. OK. No phone on the bench. <laughs> sometimes you have to have the row.
12: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I have four daughters. I spent the last 10 years rowing. Yeah,
1: sometimes but you have I to I have the row.
12: <laughs> if I didn't know, where would they be?
1: OK, so give some tips then for parents who, who want to know. Are we talking about
12: Leaving Cert now or before that?
1: Leaving Cert for where we're, what we're going through now. I was Red reading now, out some earlier in the week about, you know.
12: Forget the rows now. Too late. Forget it. You're just trying to keep these kids above board. I would say keep the house calm. Give them a hug. Let them know you're there. You know, don't question them too much. You'll know what what you can do that drives them nuts. Try not to, you know, we all know. Take a breath. Walk away. If they're ranting and raving when they come in from exam, that's very normal and natural. Let them off. You also you know, said keep smaller, <laughs> keep smaller children out of the way. Oh, Make- listen, I know this one is hard. But if you family or anything, it's just noise, really. Yeah. And that was more the study side of it. No,
1: I understand. You know? But like, make their favorite foods. I love that one. Whatever they love, you know, it could be anything. Uh, but is
12: there anything like that? I mean, I still find comfort in certain meals my mum made, and that wasn't there yesterday. But you know, it does bring comfort, and it's it's you showing them that you care without having to use words. And there's a lot of ways we can do that, because really. You know, you're, you're a parent too. Look, we can rant on and rave on and sometimes, I know, they switch off. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear us. And that's fair enough, especially when they're on high, high stress
13: levels.
12: Yeah. So just be there. And the way we can show our love, surely, is, you know, make their bed. You know, maybe leave a, a little card or a treat or something wherever they're studying. Make that nice dinner. All those little things matter a lot hugely yeah because if they feel the support and love from us that's as much as we can do there's no oh listen forget rules and regulations now there's just no point yeah i know It's way too late but for the kids maybe who haven't and the parents who are listening who don't have exam students yet you know don't be afraid to say no i mean the amount of parents who say to me well i can't get the phone offer and i'm like well who will and you know there's a trust element there too so it's having the conversation and saying look we can see it's really difficult to study with your notifications on your phone, blah, blah, blah. Or if you're not getting enough sleep, sleep is massively important. So the phone out of the room at a realistic time now. And when relationships, when the kids grow up, our relationship with our kids has to grow with that. So we have to allow them grow. And this is a big problem, Neil, when, you know, and no judgment to parents, I am one. But when we can find it difficult to allow that happen, to give them that extra trust. I mean, one of my favorite things that I use is trust them until they give you a reason not to. If we show our kids trust, they are slow to break it. If we hold on to them too tight, they will possibly go the other way. And none of us, especially in today's world, that's the last place we want our kids to be in a place that they feel if they get in trouble, if they drink too much, if something happens. Oh, God, I can't ring them. I'll be killed.
1: It's a difficult route to navigate, for sure it is. Listen, um, uh, r- remain calm, remain supportive, don't lose the cool, just be there for them. Don't question
12: too much, yeah. let okay. them off. Yeah, okay. It's too late to do anything else, so just be there, really. And Super can stuff. I just say best of luck to everybody, parents, family, to involves everybody. You're the best. <laughs> and they'll all get through this meal and they'll come out the other end and it is not the divining factor for all kids by any stretch of the imagination. There's PLC courses, there's trades, There's a lot of different options out there and our kids need to be very, very aware of that.
1: Thanks, Eileen. Eileen Keane for Jumpstart Your Confidence. Just picking up maybe on a couple of those points, I've got Jennifer Horgan, columnist with the Irish Examiner. She's got a very interesting column out this week. She's also an English teacher at Cork Educate Together. Joins me with my phone. Jennifer, good morning. Morning, Nina. Thanks for stopping by. I know you weren't expecting the call, so I appreciate it. I, you know, firstly, is it is it fit for purpose? And, and you know, it's, it's all very well me saying that the kids are in the exams now and there's nothing they can do about it. But, it, you know, in my conversation with Eileen, she describes the leaving certificate as archaic. Hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in agreement. I wrote a book there. It came out during the pandemic, so it wasn't the greatest time, but I wrote a book on, on the education system and, and how we need to change it. Um, I'm an English teacher, so I really dislike the fact that it's a 100% exam. It's a 100% written exam in timed silence, and I think that doesn't suit an awful lot of our students. So I find that very frustrating, but unfortunately, we're, we're very slow to change. Yeah, you know? it's a memory test, um, right? well I would say now like you you do need to think critically to to do well in English because you know the questions are demanding so you can learn stuff off but you also have to be able to manipulate what you've learnt off to the question so it's it's not entirely I don't think you can get away not with not like English as I
1: accept that but there would be yeah. other maths would be certainly imagine physics and chemistry and perhaps biology and that would be a memory game wouldn't it
0: I'm, I'm kind of slow to comment on other subjects History, but geography. I, I just I think the form of assessment is just too narrow. You know, like I would love to see kind of projects Maybe work, not maths. Actually, i will take work.
1: that back. Maybe it's a lot of logic involved in maths. But yeah, you're right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it just it'd be great to have some oral work, for instance, in English. You know, if, you know, students making podcasts speeches, debates, that kind of stuff, where they can really kind of show off their, their strengths. Um, just, just being a little bit more creative and imaginative about Everybody it. Everybody seems to secretary. say that,
1: all the professionals, including your good self, but nobody seems to want to change it so that it makes it more relevant to life. One of the things you want to change, though, and you're writing The Examiner, is you think the secondary summer holidays in Ireland are too long.
0: I do. I'm going to be very unpopular saying it, but I think like 12 weeks now is just too long for a lot of young people and for a lot of families. Um, the economic model has changed. We very rarely now have a parent at home. So you're looking at particularly the, the, the teenagers who can't work yet, you know, who can't go off and do a job. They're at home. As your, your, your previous speaker was just saying, you know, um, app, uh, technology is an issue. Being on phones all day, I worry about that. Um, but I also worry about the gap um Inequality, um, the gap getting bigger between those that have and those who don't. So, like, as a young person myself, I was able to go on plenty of courses, went off, learned to sail, went to the Gwailtok. My my education didn't stop over the summer. That doesn't happen for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but you know. don't
1: necessarily need that. Like, the summers can be long, no. happy times where you're hanging out with your mates, going on adventures.
0: Yeah, but... You know, I mean, I work with teenagers and sadly, often when they're coming back from holidays, they tell me they've just been online a lot and oh, playing games. That's and the reality. I don't want to say, you know, and I don't want to say that to everyone and, and it's not necessarily the case, but I do worry about it. It's a very different place than when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, mm. I just, I think, you know, if we were to go online with primary school, eight weeks is still an awful lot of time to have all of those lovely experiences. Mm. Um, but... Yeah.
1: I, teachers, would, I, teachers would never go for that, would they? Although I did read in your article, you says the few teachers you've chatted to admit that in theory they agree with you.
0: Well, they quite like the... I suppose the idea then would be that we wouldn't add time. as in we'd, we'd add a month, but we'd just slow down a lot. So we'd have study periods during the day where teachers could plan and students could reflect and do work in school rather than at home, you know, if you're taking away that kind of burden. And that we just... Because we actually have more contact time with our students even though we have really long holidays. So our, you know, schools are, the school day is packed whereas this would allow for a, a kind of a more relaxed atmosphere yeah. I think. Yeah. And maybe more uh, physical education. Like that's one thing I worry about a lot that they're just not moving enough. Um, like we don't have adequate school facilities. Uh, I certainly don't in my, in my school. Um, and I'd love to imagine that if we had longer days we could sort of do more Oh, more listen, because, you know? I, we
1: could be all morning talking about that and the aspect regarding obesity amongst young people increasing all of the time of course and that's okay. leading to all sorts of health implications uh, that's as much to do with exercise as the food that you eat um but with okay. re- with regards to say if it was a shorter summer are you saying stay in school for june and take july and august or go in june and come yeah. back in august or what
0: I think stay stay for June and like uh, your your previous speaker just uh, talking about the Leaving Cert and the Junior Cert I think it'll be really healthy for the rest of the school to see that happening. You know, stop making such a big deal out of it. We don't all need to exit the building because the state exams are going on. It's a normal, integral part of our system. We can still have the the, the exams going on and we'll all just carry on as normal. Although although students sitting
1: the Leaving Cert probably would prefer to have the school quiet.
0: Oh, it'd have to be quiet. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, I loved what uh, Eileen was was, was talking about trusting young people. We underestimate them so much. Like if we speak to them and just say, look, the state exams are going on, it's a big deal for these students. So you are going to be respectful. You're not speaking on the corridors. You know, we're going to keep this area of the school clear. They're going to be, I've no doubt they're going to, do brilliantly, mm. you know, you have to trust them and they—they, they, as Eileen as says, it, it takes a lot from them to break that trust
1: Okay, good stuff, great points Thank you Jennifer, Jennifer Horgan, columnist with the Irish Examiner she also wrote the book called Oh Captain, My Captain One Teacher's Hope for Change in the Irish Education System We're hearing a lot of calls for change and the wish to modernise it whether it's from Jennifer or indeed from Eileen but one wonders if there's the will to have the way after eleven, text 0868104106.
7: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four, Dave Max Drive. Now,
3: the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And indeed,
1: uh, by text to 086-8104-106. I was talking about scams earlier on this morning. Yet another scam, Neil, is the Amazon selling unwanted gifts scam. Uh, I bought two boxes for €120. Euro. It was a total scam on Facebook. Unfortunately, you learn by your mistake. I was talking earlier on, where that second story gone again? It was the story of the different driving instructors and the things that they say to people when they get in their car. Men, boys and girls, young men and young women, people of all ages. One was, I was asking the question as to what does it mean when somebody says, who's your daddy? I know it has a sexual connotation, but one particular driving instructor told a 28-year-old woman who was getting lessons in his car that she was dropped, dead gorgeous asked her if she was single and said who's your daddy 15 times now a formal complaint was received I don't know with all of these different complaints that I'm telling you whether anybody will lose their license as a driving instructor for saying and behaving and saying things like that Um, but nonetheless I did get a text on who's your daddy who's your daddy is a slang expression used to show dominance over someone else in an aggressive playful or sexual way daddy goes way back Records from the early 17th century show Daddy being used for any controlling and older figure regardless of biology so thank you for that i also mentioned the nct off the top of my head i was saying earlier this morning that if you booked and looked for an appointment at the nct center just going through the normal channels online that you would get one in little island january 2024 i uh, hope you're well neil my nct is up on the 22nd of june the end of the month i went online and the next i can get is january 2024 just like you said. I rang them, spoke with an agent and he put me on a list where I could be waiting 26 days to be called. Now I went online again this morning to check any dates as my friends told me that they update at 8am every morning and there was Blarney on the 28th of June. As I was filling in the details, it came up that that date was gone. The agent told me that if nothing comes up before the 22nd, I will be breaking the law and the guardie can give three penalty points or take the car what a joke. Certainly is a joke because it's not of your making, right? You're happily paying your road tax. You're happily paying your car insurance. You're happily paying the NCT when you sit it. You're putting petrol or diesel in your car. You're plugging in your EV. You're paying for all those things. You know, um, you know this is not of, of your making. I understand where the guy you're coming from. I would have thought that the slip to say that you have an appointment booked would be enough for Ungardish changing their policy. Forgive me now, um, and I I don't mean to sound stupid or anything or not in the know, but has it been this way for a while or is this a new rule that's come back into the CUMH or has it always been that way? Um, We certainly will check with the CUMH, but maybe people listening right now might be able to clarify Um, because it says online at the CUMH Partners are welcome to attend the following, and exceptions are made for compassionate reasons. They're allowed to attend early pregnancy scans, the 12-week scan, the anatomy scan, but inpatient visiting, unrestricted visiting for partner or nominated support person from 7am to 11pm every day. Um, Doesn't that mean that their visiting uh, is allowed? Um, So I don't know where you're getting that information from, but... We'll check and maybe there's somebody listening might be able to shine some light on it. Yesterday, we spoke a lot about hospitality, right? About bad pay, about split shifts, about um, terms and conditions, about not being able to make a career out of it, about the tipping system, issues like that. Um, let me just pick up on that from yesterday. Desi says, the story of the girl you went on who went off sick in the hotel, Neil. Well, I worked in hospitality for 40 years and you make no mistake about this. You call in sick working in a hotel once or twice and you won't have your job three or four weeks later, I can tell you. They will get rid of you. And if it's a chain, you won't get a job in any of their hotels ever again. Um, A history of going off sick. Uh, I totally agree with the man who was on the air. My husband and I went to the Middleton Park Hotel recently. They pride themselves on the newly renovated bar and restaurant. That's all very well. It's nice to look at and the food is delicious. But the service, unfortunately, is shocking. It's such a shame. We waited ten minutes to be seated, as the sign said, and when there was no sign of anyone coming to us, we had to approach the bar. We waited another ten minutes, only for the girl behind the bar to turn in our direction eventually. She called someone to deal with us, but by the time we went over to the waiting area again, two seconds away, they had served the people who were behind us in the queue instead. So we eventually ordered our three-course meal, but when it came to the dessert we had to tell three different people what we ordered and had to wait 45 minutes for it to arrive at the table. We then had to wait for the coffee we had ordered that never came with the dessert. The place is run, it would seem, by teenagers. We counted five of them, avoiding the work, and one girl serving all the tables and setting up for the next day. It really is such a shame because the food is delicious, but we won't go back again. We're also looking for a venue to hold the afters of our baby's christening at the end of July. When we rang three times for different extensions of the hotel, no one was picking up, says Andrea in Middleton. And I'm sure, as management, as owner and owners listening to that, they must be exasperated, you know, investing huge amounts of money in a hotel like that and the food being great and the kitchen rocking or have you. But the front of house staff that may be too young, maybe not trained, maybe overwhelmed, that's where you fall down. Wasn't it Richard Branson that said, I'm not as interested in the public or clients. As I am interested in my staff, they're more important to me. I take very good care of my staff and they in turn take very good care of the clients. It's basically called compassionate leadership. It's a holistic approach and it works. And then Richie, uh, not very kind, but he picks up on my conversations yesterday about the Irish women's football team, off soccer team, off to the World Cup. People watch quality, Neil. Women's football is simply poor quality as proven by the fact that an under-15 schoolboys team destroyed the world champions USA women's team 5-2 in a World Cup warm-up match. Maybe if they swap jerseys at the end of their matches, they get more of us to watch, says Richie and Toker, which I think is unkind. It's also quite sexist. Uh, however, he's not alone in that. Um, there was a situation at the French Open uh, Amélie Amelie, Amelie Moresmo, the former great French tennis player is now the director of tennis at um, the uh, French Open and for the first time they decided that they would put a women's game as the main event at night hard to believe but by and large um, it's been men's tennis has been the main events at night for crowd pullers and what have you it's different at the US and, and somewhat different to some extent at Wimbledon so they decided to put um uh, and this was, it was pretty much top seeds women's players playing at night, right? Uh, and apparently when it was announced that it wasn't going to be a Djokovic or it wasn't going to be a Medvedev or it wasn't going to be a Zverev or a City pass, uh, it was going to be two women, a load of people um, re- surrendered their tickets for resale. They just didn't want to go because they felt they weren't going to get value for money. So I think unless we change that kind of mindset, I understand that tickets are expensive, if you look at the women's football team and their successes compared to say the Irish soccer team or even a better example of that is women's hockey which is at a, at a, at a, at a national level and I'm quite sure even at a local level is incredible to watch. Um, I love watching women's hockey particularly um, during the the Olympics and things like that. So I'm not so sure that that's very fair. Nothing will change Richie if you don't mind me saying so with an attitude like that. So then to uh, our, our beaches and our strands and our public toilets and lack of them. Very sad, really, because there doesn't seem to be the will um, to up our game with regards to toilet facilities. And that's why down in Red Strand, if you walk around there, particularly in the dunes, you will find human poo and used toilet roll because the toilet's locked up. I checked those toilets on Saturday afternoon in Yawl, the ones you referenced on the air. Still no toilet seats and still no toilet roll. To be fair, they were all perfectly clean, ideal to use as a changing room. They were acceptable for that, bar the lack of toilet roll. The beach was very busy, so they were in good nick considering. Yeah, but, you know, could do better. Um, They say to me in y'all that the minute they put in toilet seats and the minute they put in toilet rolls, somebody comes in and nicks them all. I have no idea why that happens. I often think about y'all as to how could y'all be a a little bit better with regards to tourism and thriving uh, even better than it possibly is One way that they could really get the finger out is if they built a marina in Yall and they put in maybe 20 or 25 fingers off the marina for boats and yachts and ribs. They have absolutely nothing down there. There's some random moorings that people down in in Yall own themselves. But for such a coastal town of that size and such a maritime history... I think it's unforgivable that the powers that be don't rise to the challenge and put in a floating pontoon and a floating marina there. It would make a massive difference. And funnily enough, there's funding for these things. It's not as if it would cost you all a whole lot of money. But anyway, who's listening to me? There's a full-scale ongoing search for a missing lady on Longstrand, and all you're talking about is the lack of toilets there. I'm sure that the missing lady's family would be delighted to hear that. Have some respect. I think that's insane that you would say that. I'm not being disrespectful in any way, shape or form. Um, I just think, I mean, why do people get so upset about everything? You know, why? You know, why would you feel that you would need to send a text like that? White Bay's beach was has so much litter. The walkway was covered in dog dirt. It's disgraceful. Fountain stands just as bad. The toilet is self-cleaning, whatever that means. The other toilets are locked up down there. People are going to the toilet building... Disgusting. And they go behind it instead because they can't use it. The footpaths were covered in dog dirt and dogs let loose on the beach. Another one. At Inch Beach, there was no toilets nor bins. Beaches need to be taken care of full stop. And a final one for now. I was at Garry Beach on Sunday. And I won't lie. The public toilets need to be blown up. The state of them. I went in clean and came out walking with the dirt. Puke in the urinals. More pee on the floors than in the toilets. I was nearly getting sick walking out of there. I was waiting for someone to grab me inside there. It was that bad. Next time I will pee in my pocket. I pity the person that is to come in and clean it because if it were me, I would get a mini digger and knock it. Thank you for all those. Doesn't it say as much about the people using them really? as the people who are supposed to be looking after them, back after the break.
3: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 106.
1: Red FM. So bad reports then on the states of toilets and beaches for sure. Actually, we contacted the County Council on the condition of the Long Strand toilets completely... Lo- well, they're there, but they're completely locked up. Uh, and I know that they've received the uh, the email, so we'll have to wait and see. We've also put in an inquiry about the visiting restrictions that that emailer outlines at the com hates. so we'll come back to that when there's an update. But back to the phone lines we go. Loretta, good morning.
13: Good morning, Neil.
1: Thank you so much for getting in touch and sending photographs as well. What is it like for you and your family to live next door to Cork Prison? Awful. Is it?
13: Absolutely awful. It is like you have, like, not alone can the the cells look down and see us and speak to us, so all, all in the prison for the top two rows. They can see us and hear us. Um, But then, if people visiting uh, them at all hours of the morning and shouting off and everything. And now, this new wall they're building, it was supposedly to to keep the drugs out, but there's no way. There's no way. Like, it's smaller than the existing wall. And what they've done now is, so they built the wall right beside my garden wall. So now it's going to drive whoever is doing it into my garden.
1: Right, so there is an existing 24 foot wall and now they're building and I see the photographs of it. A 17
13: foot wall. It's
1: it's, uh, it's an an awful situation that you find yourself in the middle of the summer with the kids and a big massive construction site alongside your garden. God damn it. Yeah,
13: and they're starting work every morning then a quarter to six. (sighs) Uh, Even through the holidays, um, bank holiday Monday, like there's no break.
1: Is that not know, a bit earlier? There are not rules about that or the more. There
13: is rules that they're not supposed to start until half of 7. So are um, people
1: are people throwing still throwing drugs over the wall?
13: Absolutely. Every week.
1: Okay. Is there not I an mean, all is there little not little a
13: net? out the front? All the kids are playing out the front and these random men, very undesirable men are coming off uh, sometimes in mass sometimes in ski masks, sometimes with their hood up, whatever. Coming up, override everybody, standing on the wall and d- doing what they have to do. Now, I have been out given out a few times. Right? On but your wall? On day. the
1: wall into your garden? On
13: my wall. Yeah, yeah. On my garden wall. They've actually fell into my garden on occasion and the drugs have been all over my garden. Oh, my God. I don't know. i I Every time somebody comes up, like I'd I be like, you know... I have to ring the guards because, I don't know, are they going to come back? Do you know what I mean? So I have to ring the guards then, but sure. Like, and then I ring the prison. I ask them, what are they going to do about it? Oh, sure, what can we do about it? That's all I get. Even though I was on the liaison team with the, the um, Irish Prison Service when, before they built this prison. And I've been telling them every time that the weakest link of the prison was my house.
1: True enough, but if Um, you look at the aspect of people standing on your garden wall, I mean, if people could see the photograph now, there's the massive 24-foot wall, they're now building a second one adjacent, and then there's your wall, so if they stand on your wall, they get better height to get the drugs over the tallest wall. Um, Absolutely. And what would that, and so if if the package were to burst or tablets fall out over the case, maybe they could be thrown around your garden with children playing. I
13: have done.
1: Have you found tablets?
13: Loads. Absolutely, loads. I've load, I found uh, phones. Um, I found parcels, like hundreds of them.
1: Is it like cocaine or heroin or tablets? Uh, tablets,
13: tablets, Benzos benzos maybe may be a bit of weed or whatever.
1: And do you ever say? Do you ever engage with those that are throwing the stuff? Always, say-
13: always. I'm sick to death of going out, giving out.
1: What do they say?
13: Uh, well one fella told me he had to do it or he was going to get killed he came up with a slingshot he was a homeless fella a slingshot and he said if he didn't do it that somebody was going to kill him and I said well if you do do it I'm going to kill you I said because there's of children out here like if I he said, didn't, didn't
1: do it he's being th- so he's being threatened to do it because of possibly a drug debt or something
13: a drug debt, yeah a slingshot yeah. A slingshot and he got it over
1: but is there not a net in there? I mean, so they go over the drugs go over the wall into the recreation
13: area, into the yard, Yeah.
1: And are the lads inside waiting for it to fall from the sky?
13: Yeah, they can hear it. They, they know. They like, as I said, they come up before it and they have conversations. So they stand on my wall and they talk to whoever's in the prison.
1: And they tell them, "I'm flinging it in now. Get ready to catch."
13: Oh yeah, be, be about half a six. Yeah.
1: But surely, waiting on the other side is prison wardens
13: not on your life you know they had a party the last time the prisoners this now is ridiculous they had their music on full belt in the the room until about half past three four o'clock and every time i rang the prison because i was only actually had a new baby at the time and i kept ringing him saying like you have to turn down. oh it's not it's not the prison that must be your next door neighbor i said i'm telling you it's the prison i live beside you um i could hear him banging on the door i could hear the prison officer banging on the door and he told me that he can't hear anything that's happening in the cells because it's soundproof from the inside, but not from the outside.
1: Really? There must be some serious soundproofing in the rooms, if that's the case.
13: Uh, 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 and we can hear them playing his day out front then.
1: So, it, I thought it was lights out, all quiet.
13: <coughs> what is it?
1: I thought it was supposed to be lights out, all quiet at whatever time of the
13: not evening. Not on your, not a hope, not a hope. They're singing songs. Telling each other they're going to kill each other. Like it's summer nights, now, right? So they are locked up. So you want to hear the things they've said to each other, like in the last couple of days, that all of the small kids in that terrace have to listen to. Can you tell telling us? One fella told another one fella told another fella he's going to rape his mother and his sister when he gets out, and that he was getting out in a couple of weeks.
1: Shouting to a fella in a cell down the down the down the down the 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 the, the a few a, cell, a few Sounds, cells down. Yeah
13: that he was going to rape his mother and his sister.
1: Your man then shouts back something else, I suppose.
13: Absolutely. Things he wasn't going to do. Up and down. This is shouting up and down the landing at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you no know, true. the actual cell windows. So, like, they have a little vent that they can shout out through the windows to each other, through the cells to each other. Yes. But they cannot hear from the inside. So when that prison, when the, the cell door is locked, the prison officer cannot hear from the other side Okay,
1: it's a or tiny so it's farm. a tiny window but it's not wide enough to get out and you die no anyway,
13: no like, they can't actually they can only open it through like a twisty thing because okay. I had been there yeah. before it opened I've also told them that they could see out and they told me I can't now I know a couple of the lads that were in there said, they said yeah you can we can see a you stay. I I was in Covid for like you know in the good weather we got the, like we couldn't go out the back or anything in pools or even up the front because I don't know who's in themselves
1: why would that be a worry as to who's in the cells
13: because they can see me they can see my children I don't know who they are so
1: there's no privacy in the back garden
13: absolutely none
1: yeah
13: absolutely none you couldn't yeah I make you laugh like I went out one day a fella told me I was hanging up the washing (laughs) wrong. (laughs) out the window of a cell out the window of the cell he told me I was hanging up the washing (laughs) wrong. to hang it up waist first not legs first like I was doing
1: God almighty
13: how did you what did you say to him Nothing, I just started laughing. So sure, what can you say, Neil? Like, uh, another time, I was calling the children for their dinner and your man said, my children's names are uh, Rhys and Mason, and your man said, Uh Mason, come in there, your mum's looking for your dinner. Like So, like, they know my goings and comings, they, like, some mornings, they say, uh, are you only back from the school run? Or, you know? But, know Loretta,
1: Loretta, maybe they're just having the old chats.
13: No, listen, I don't mind that, Neil, right? Honest to God, because I talk the ass off a donkey, right? But I don't know who I'm talking to.
1: And also, do you live also with the worry that you're being watched?
13: Exactly. Like, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, my husband works there, like, he starts to work at six in the morning. So, like, it's just me and the lads there. So, how do I know that one of these people aren't going to come out? And especially there, you know, like, if one of them, like, the last time one of one fellow was shouting out, he was insulting me, I don't know what he was saying, so... Naturally enough, I told him F
1: off. Ah, like. uh, well, that's on a uh, different that's on another level to how to hang up the washing if he's insulting or abusing you.
13: Oh, this this in Neil, they insult you up to your eyeballs, and anybody that calls my house, they insult you. Do you know? It, it, like it depends on what prisoner is in the cell, and no matter what, no matter how many times I ring the prison, say, listen, this fella there, uh, sure, what can I do? Like well, have, I you, said, got on to, have you asked the governor to, have
1: asked to speak to the governor of Cork prison?
13: I, listen, the governor I've been speaking to all along, who is doing nothing anyway, he's now retired. There's this new fella now that no, he doesn't want to speak to anybody, me or my neighbours, he doesn't want to speak to anybody.
1: Well, like, so you have put in a request to, to at least air
7: your oh, grievances?
13: Oh, hundreds, listen, uh, every time I ring that prison, I make sure they log it. And there must be you now, uh, I'd say, a folder full at this you're,
1: state. you're closest to the wall. Do other neighbours yeah, have issues?
13: Yeah, 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 well, they have. Of course, they have. Like, now, not so much with the cells in that because I'm the only one. Like, it's the only, it's my house they can see. But now we have this wall going up, right? Like, the my neighbours' gardens are, are small enough. Like, mine is huge. Huge, can see yeah, picture. Yeah. Mine yeah, is it huge. Is, yeah. So light isn't kind of a big issue for me, but their gardens are tiny. And now this big, huge wall is going behind them. It's literally... They're like living in a cell now. It's exactly what it looks like.
1: That's true. Right no behind your garden shed. Door. Yeah. 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 yeah like,
13: right. There's, yeah. No, there's no sun coming in their front door because it's where their houses are So for them to situated. be able
1: to throw the drugs over both of these walls, they're going to have to come further into your garden to get the lift, right? They have right? to
13: come in now. They have to come in now, which before they use the wall.
1: And are they now in the garden grass area throwing
13: Oh, yeah, yeah. And tell me about... tell me. I about, mean, tell me the... have a 16-year-old son. I have a 12-year-old son, I have a 10-year-old son, and I have a 4-year-old daughter. Now, uh, my 16-year-old son is coming. He, he came in from school there um, a couple of weeks ago, and there were two random fellas inside in the garden. And naturally enough, he was like, uh, what are you doing, like? Uh, and one fella said, so, and I said, so I came out then, because I didn't know they had been there. So I came out then and given out. But they were going to get stuck in him.
1: See, that's the worry you She's
13: see. 16, a good child. I've come back from school. And he's... No, you old.
1: shouldn't. You shouldn't be living with that.
13: No, yeah, you're wearing the I, family I, there. You're I trying to keep your family that. safe. And, listen, Neil, I love it. I love it. Listen, and I'm forever grateful for my health and whatever. But I am going to have an nervous breakdown after. I'm telling you now, especially now with this wall. This is just going to really tip it over the edge.
1: And tell me about this incident regarding the burning turf.
13: Oh, stop it. I'm telling you now. Two nights in a row, these fellas came up and they must have been putting parcels in a bit of wet turf, a bit of damp turf. So they poured petrol over it picked, uh, and set fire to it and threw it up on the roof of the prison. They were trying to burn the net, I think, on the other side. Oh my. But it actually rolled down, rolled off the, the roof and into my neighbour's garden. Now... That was all right. So I was looking at the neighbour's garden next to My husband said, oh Jesus, the man was on fire. He actually, his whole jacket went off. <laughs> all his sleeve, all his jacket. The guy who threw the turf. The guy who threw the turf, yeah. All his jacket. Went on well fire. So he started rolling around. So my husband had to go out then and out in my, my neighbour's back garden where she had decking is where it fell. She didn't, like, they didn't bother looking for where it fell. Insane. They were just concerned that this, this fellow was on fire. Insane. And he did the very same thing the next night. Set so your, your, your
1: husband went out to put out the fire on your man?
13: Uh, no, because he was actually, he, that's exactly why he was going to or that's initially why he was going out, but yeah. then he had to go out, to, out in the fire. On the decking. He was, your man was already gone by the time my husband came, but he had to go out, and out in the fire in my neighbour's backyard. Oh, for God's that's hell. I half one in the morning.
1: That's hell. Um, yeah. So they wanted to f- set fire to the turf, throw it over the wall to burn the netting, so the drugs could get through the net. Yeah. And and do we know like who's paying for it? Do the have the lads got an account with dealers on the outside or or is this what's but the arrangement? Neil,
13: they're they're making arrangements around to the clock up there. Do you know what I mean? From the cell.
1: Yeah. Tell the people. Yeah. They're throwing mobile phones you in can as well. Literally, so.
13: if, you, like, if you call to me now, you can literally show up. Anybody's random name, and somebody will answer you.
1: That's all it's very like well, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to put up with this.
13: No, and I have been begging people to help me. Begging, I mean now, anything, and all I keep getting is they can, the prison can do what they want. They can build what they want, regardless of who they're interrupting or who they're disturbing, that this was all passed just before Cork, the new Cork prison was built.
1: Yeah, OK, OK. Is it a guard issue, though, with regards to your safety?
13: Listen, I'm ringing the guards, too, like we rang the guards last time. And in fairness, they're doing their job, too, but, like, they're never fast enough. They're never going to be fast enough. There's three entrances out of my park. There's three exits out of my estate.
1: So you're always on alert, then?
13: Always. And even the kids going out playing out the front. And that's another thing. Then. The corporation very rarely come up there. We're like, the, the land that time forgot or something. Yeah. So, like, we have to go out then sweeping up the terrace and, you know, making sure there's nothing out there for when the kids go out and play. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, it all falls on me. Like, when every time they call, even, even when I ring the guards, they're like, oh, just ring us again if they come up. But sure, like, that's no good, like.
1: No, I mean, it's not going to stop anything because it'll just happen again and again, repeat, repeat. So what do you want done?
13: well I like before they put up this wall this wall that was put up they, they actually told the TD that they went around all the houses and told them what they were doing and we all said that was fine but that never happened you know. no one has ever approached And like I know every one so of my neighbours so it's not neighbors. true you weren't I,
1: approached no no it's
13: completely no. untrue I, I called every one of my neighbours Brandon Crescent and all and nobody had heard anything from Okay,
1: okay. Well, let's let's uh, make let's make the governor aware then and see what the governor might have to say on the matter.
13: he's aware, he's well aware. Okay. Well, let's see. Neighbor, he actually text he actually emailed my neighbor to say that he pulled, put the wall up there for a rubbish concern, which is also not true.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, must be a better or an easier way to stop the throwing of drugs into the prison. But let's let's get a response and see what they have to say on the matter, all right? Okay, thanks, Dale. It's tough for you, but uh, thank you, Loretta. Awful conditions that you have to put up with on a load of different levels. Um, Anybody got any thoughts on that? Text 0868 104 106. We'll get a response from the prison to see if there's any way they can make that family's life more livable and more enjoyable.
3: Back after the break. The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104
1: 106. Come on in, Myles Gaffney. Sit yourself down there. Tune up the guitar. We're going out with the song Teddy Boy in a few minutes' time. But I want to check back in with Colm Doyle. We spoke with him last week. Do you remember, incidentally, he quit smoking six months ago. He was smoking 35 years. He could never have done anything like this when he was smoking. He's walking from Dublin all the way to Mallow to raise money for the charity that provides service dogs to people with autism. They're my canine companion. And his daughter uh, lives with the autism spectrum and has an assistant dog herself. Got a five years ago. And his wife is actually a trainer. But I'm keen to just check in. See, so how have been going so far because we could be coming near the culmination of the walk. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. How are the legs?
8: Tour, right? Not a bother.
6: Where are you? I'm in the central shops where oh. i just got the, a lovely chicken back of <laughs> A chicken roll, is it? A chicken roll, yeah. that will keep me going for the rest of the day. I'd say you've
1: lost a fair bit of timber, have you? A lot of poundage.
6: It's bit, but we've been well looked after by people on the way, so not as much as I wanted to. All
1: right, but how's the trip been, the walk? A lot of public support along the way?
6: Yeah, a lot of public support, which helps keep us going every day. Um, You know, you get a couple of miles in, you're you're sore, you're feeling the pain, and it's very uplifting when people come out and support you. It
1: helps you get on the next couple of miles. Absolutely, yeah. Did you see a lot of our beautiful country? Because you were walking the byways, I'd say, in the back roads, were you?
6: All we have indeed, and we had two people there from Dublin with us for the whole walk, and they've never really walked in the countryside like that, and they couldn't believe it. know, they said it's beautiful.
1: Was the weather kind to you, though? Because your walk would have been in fairly hefty weather conditions in the sense of high temperatures and lots of sunshine.
6: Yeah, it was quite warm, lots of sun cream, lots of drinks, and we just four feet with us. But yeah, the sun made a tough going, but the same breath. It was windy and raining, it'd probably be tough. You know, it's kind of hard to... Be better if it's more windy. Yeah, I know. It's quite nice, to be fair. I know it's,
1: quite it's, nice. a, it's it's a bit like those that ran the marathon on Sunday and the blazing heat and the yeah. high temperatures. Yeah, I mean, I looking at some of
6: the photographs saying like, yeah, I see you as well, you know.
1: Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's kind of a lottery, you know. You can't always pick the right yeah. day yourself. So, what's the plan today?
6: And today, now we're in Kildare. I mean, in fairness, the whole village came out to welcome us, so it was unexpected and quite nice to see. And make our way to Mallow. So I think Mallow's here. we're meeting there about well. The original time was quarter to five. I'd say probably five, quarter past now. And his local guards are going to be there, fire brigade, and his friends and family are going to be there. So it's going to be nice to meet so many people I haven't seen all week, meet my kids as well. (laughs) It's been a long week, you know, so I'd say it's going to be emotional, but definitely the last five kilometres, I'd say we'll probably float home.
1: Well, listen, you delivered on your promise and the legs held up and the ankles held up. Not a bother to you. Any outstanding highlight?
6: Um, I, actually, to be honest, the way we're here is fairly emotional, to be fair. I mean, you know, we weren't expecting it. Um, I think us as people walking along, um, when the game was tough, I mean, Team Blisters and everything else, is how, as a team, we all bonded. Yeah. And yeah. um, then we realised, you know, the whole Mike Keenan family, we all bonded together support each other. And you realise that, you know, we had that support and that thing, you can get a lot of stuff done that, you know, it's very easy to end the toll.
1: I know it, yeah but where there's a p- will there's a way and you didn't throw in the towel in fairness to- One
6: lady you now coming back to join us today she had actually a very bad injury she walked on it for two days and um, in, in the end she ended up in hospital because Jan could gave way totally but like that she was in severe pain and she kept going for two days and that
1: Well done well
6: no, she's going to join us and crutches
1: for the last bit Ah, that's very brave of her And of course, people yeah. can donate to idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash column doyle1 and all of the proceeds will if go towards
6: I I mean, look, it's much easier I mean, Google mycaninecompanion.ie and there's a donate button on the main website that's much easier for people to well remember
1: done. Well done, well done Give what you can because it's in a great cause helping people like your good daughter So, you'll be getting the feet up then for a few days Rest and relax and recuperation
6: well I suppose all our kids were minding the house and stuff so I suppose try to clean the house and try to place all that sort but they were very they were very good and fair so might, you, you think
1: people. you might be going home to a bombshell is it a bomb site? <laughs> I know it won't be that bad
6: to be fair you know I, like I really good you know the family right. the
1: kids are good well enjoy the final few miles or k- kilometres and well done on your achievement fair play to you man We will do, Neil. Thanks for the call. Take care. Look after yourself. Colm Doyle, he delivered on his promise. Listen, I want to love you and leave you, but after the break, Miles Gaffney in studio to play out with Teddy Boy.
3: Talk to Neil Prenderbill now. 0818 104 106 Cork's Red FM. Available now, a brand new
1: podcast. An Irish woman's true story of a life in the fast lane. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like My life was perfect. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of Euro, and then it turned to chaos. I'm
0: trying to tell a toddler <laughs> that her father is gone. He was the thing that had to do.
1: A story of love and loss, and a man who needs to be heard to be believed.
12: Jamie always say to me,
13: "You couldn't make this up.
1: You couldn't make this up. A brand new podcast available now. Go to the Go Loud app and tap Podcasts to find and listen. And wherever you get your podcasts, um, thank you to everybody who has downloaded and listened to. You couldn't make this up. If you haven't and you like podcasts, perhaps you might like to have a listen to the seven episodes. They're available wherever you get your podcasts. You couldn't make this up. And um, (laughs) extraordinarily, number two in the Spotify charts right now and number two in the Apple download download charts as well. So that's fantastic news. Glad to hear so many people are listening and, I suppose for want of a better word, enjoying it. But it is a horror story in itself. I started this morning with the news of the passing and the death of the great Teddy McCarthy, one month short of his 58th birthday. Uh, Teddy was a legend on the field, but also off the field, Neil. His kindness and generosity was endless. A much-loved man by so many. To play us out, the Cork singer-songwriter, Miles Gaffney, you obviously got to know him, you know, because you wrote the song. How did that come about?
7: Um, I was given a book. I was passed on to the stage. In yeah, the castle in Glamour. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the guy gave it to me, Greg Mara, and I said, he said, look, you, you were all his tribute to Roy Keane and that's grand. He said, you covered the soccer. But he says, Teddy McCartney needs a song because of what he's achieved
1: and that was the book Teddy Boy wasn't it
7: Teddy Boy yeah. and I, I just went home Neil and you know I have one of them memories like it's a photographic memory as it was I have a brain like a computer because I can remember things and I vision things that of places I was never even there so as I got into the book that night I got really into it so I read it all that, that night and put down important and pivotal parts of Ted's life and I wrote that song about 20 minutes and um,
1: What did you think of it when he heard it?
7: He rang me. It was a very emotional conversation. Ted was upset but happy at the same time and two things he said to me is thanks for bringing my mother into the song and he said...
1: Because his dad died young didn't he?
7: Yeah, when he was five and he said Mickey Barry, a man called Mickey Barry looked after Teddy when he was a child and it was Mickey Barry paid for Teddy McCarthy's." First pair of football
1: boots. Oh, hey. Just so many stories. man
7: was so a baker. He, was, he had a bakery in Glamwire and he, he 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 was in Ted's corner all his life. Oh, way out that. Mm. Oh, way out that.
1: Um, way too soon, but we say that all the time, don't we? But it never was truer because, um, you know what he achieved was phenomenal, wasn't it? Were you? Can you recall 1990? Are you of that age of I can, that year?
7: I can recall, um I can recall going down to Parnell place to see the homecoming. Unreal. Um and there's photographs of home and you know something? The double. Tomas Mulcahy, Teddy McCarthy and Tony O'Sullivan. I still remember them coming to the school with the cops.
1: Tony O'Sullivan's a great hurler. He was a Mon boy as
7: well. Yeah, the three of them so they they'd come to the Mon school and we get half days. Um like like Tomas, Tony and Teddy like were all idols this was as children
1: yeah of course now um, the Lord Mayor of Cork Councillor Deirdre Ford has opened a book in condolence for the legendary Cork hurler and footballer Teddy McCarthy it opened at half past eleven this morning should you wish to go and sign it I'm quite sure it's the same for the County Hall and for the Cork County Council I'd be surprised if it wasn't but certainly it's open now at Cork City Hall since half past eleven this morning so as a tribute will you play us out with Teddy boy
7: absolutely and um I just want to dedicate this song to all the McCartys and um, to Ted's children and to Una as well. Teddy boy grew up in hard times always the talk of the sidelines born with a God-given gift to play GAA championship and up School and then Artmon, vouched by Shawnee Farrell, with Donald O'Grady and Marty Murph. He'd captain and he'd win the Dr. Hardy Cup. From Glenmire In M.O. Sars, came Teddy McCarty, Cork's jewel star. In hurling and in football, He made history In the All-Ireland Final of 1990 In the same year It's to be admired He lifted Liam McCarthy into Sam McGuire Always the apple of his mother's eye Court's jewel rebel Teddy Boy. As a young man, he could challenge men at 84, faced immigration. But Beamish and Crawford answered Teddy's woes because the rebel county needed Teddy at home. With Tim Mull and Jim Cashman, Jimmy Barry Murphy, Billy Morgan, rebel in the red and white, they played GA pitches worldwide. In attack, midfield, and fullback, leaping out of the skin was Teddy Mac In hurling and in football, he made history in the All Ireland final. 1990 in the same year is to be admired. He lifted Leah McCarthy and the Sam McGuire, always the apple of his mother's eye, Cork's jewel rebel, Teddy Boy Against Galway Mayo, mead and dairy. He was always ready to bury Kerry On the day he done the double He ran down Crow Park's tunnel Under the Hogan stand, far from the crowd Jack Lynch whispered, Teddy, we should be so proud A will All-Ireland champion Oh, will we ever see the likes of Teddy again? Thank Mickey, Barry and his humble roots For buying Teddy Mac His first pair of boots In hurling and in football He made history In the All-Ireland Final of 1990 In the same year it's to be admired He lifted Liam McCarty In a Sam Wire Always the apple of his mother's eye, Cox Jewel Rebel Teddy Boy, Teddy Boy, always the apple of his mother's eye, Teddy Boy.
1: Thank you so much. A beautiful way to finish the program this morning. I love that line in the song you lifted, Liam McCarthy and the Sam McGuire. It just works. Your voice is in great shape, kid. Is it? It is <laughs> even for this hour of the morning. I know it's so sad, but it's gorgeous tribute that you wrote that song. I go cry
7: before I left the host Neil. I well, practiced that song twice before I left. I had a cry. In it's the an emotional song because I said to the family, "I lose it on, on the show with Neil, so i would getting old of me right here, and uh, I'm glad it happened, because I, I released it,
1: yeah." good man and you're getting emotional now and I can understand why it's close you gave birth to the song in memory of a great man Miles thank you so much I couldn't think of a nicer tribute to finish the programme thanks very much cheers pal the great Miles Gaffney can I just acknowledge as well somebody said Teddy McCarthy is not the only person to get a double medal Dennis Walsh Was also also has a a medal for the double. He played in the hurling, but was an unused sub in the football. Got a medal nonetheless. I think it's worth mentioning. Happy to read that text, but I dealt with that earlier this morning. But you are absolutely right. I spoke about that with Larry Tompkins and and Tomás Malkahi. I get that. But the likes of Teddy Mac, no one will ever be able to do that again. Um, You know, hurling and football in the same year. Demands just would not allow it. Life is just too busy for that. But he had the commitment to do it. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.